Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. That's me, and that's why the mail this morning talks of a risk of April showers. <laughs> Not just showers. Mail is talking about snow. I don't know, hail and sleet on the cars this week for some areas of the country. Hopefully it won't be us. Um, cold overnights up, up along in the Midlands and things like that, I suppose. Uh, other paper stories making this news this morning, of course, are the stories involving Tony Houlihan. Um, and there's a lot of confusion. Mail says there's mystery engulfing his new job. It's a €187,000 a year job at Trinity College, of which the Taoiseach says he's had no hand, act, nor part in. Um, now, there's a lot of questions being asked because some of the doll yesterday were calling it double jobbing and also a scandalous waste of money. Uh, he's still guaranteed his gold-plated pension when he retires, despite stepping away from his current job for an academic post this summer on, under a deal worked out for all civil servants apparently last year. Uh, he uh, will hold on to his salary of over 187000 when he becomes a Trinity College professor in July. And on top of that now, uh, pension benefits will be held as well. So as any wonder, that dominates the front of the newspapers today. Uh, of course, yesterday's breaking news on Graham Dwyer um, is on all of the front and inside pages. Like the examiner very much drilled into it because this ruling by the European Court with regards to his phone data significantly tilts the balance in favour of criminals, according to according to former guard of bosses. And Paul Williams was uh, very angry about it yesterday, writing online and in this morning's Independent, how the balance of the t- scales have been tipped towards um, the the criminal with news like that. But the European Union found that it was unlawful uh, to use the data on his phone. Twisted killer Graham Dwyer was won a major legal battle in his bid to have his murder convictions or his conviction overturned. Now the question of course on everybody's lips now is does that mean that he will be released? We shall just have to wait and see. But certainly it's tipped in his favour. You heard in the news at nine a story that also makes the echo today where Penny Dinners is saying they're now dealing with upwards of 500 people calling into Penny Dinners on a daily basis now. Well beyond breaking point in uh, many people's lives now. And a lot of it has been tipped over the edge, of course, because of the increase in utility costs, which would be petrol, fuel, home heating oil the price of electricity, even just turning on a light switch. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you might see more people not taxing their cars. You might see more people driving uninsured. There's a story in the Mirror this morning says that that number is now at 175,000 drivers who are driving without insurance. Um, there's calls now for, I, I'd love to know, I think some, I'm open to question, I'd love to know more about this, but I think some squad cars have have registration identification software, don't they, in them? I'd love to know, even if I got an anonymous text from a, from a Garda, like number plate system recognition, where, you know, the guards really have to kind of do very little. The, the car technology and cameras literally are constantly scanning plates and they can tell which car is insured and which car it isn't without ever having to flag down or have a checkpoint. But 175,000, they call them lawless motorists driving without insurance. And interestingly, if you have insurance, those that are not insured are costing you an extra 35 euro on your insurance premium. And mind you, with, uh, of course, war all over the world and refugees coming to Ireland, the Irish have been very generous in offers, but apparently less than half of the homes for war refugees are deemed to be suitable accommodation by all accounts. A story from the examiner today. I'll come back in a moment to um, the mauling to death of a cat on Leaside. But there is a story involving a dog. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. It's an Alaskan Malamute. 
an Alaskan Malamute. It's a beautiful looking dog, but apparently can be vicious in the wrong hands. And this young lad, who was 12 at the time, up the country in County Gildare, was playing on a hurling sports pitch when the dog got loose and escaped from the premises attached, came onto the pitch and attacked Aaron, who was 12 at the time, and bit him very badly several times all over his lower lip limbs. I mention this because uh, the young hurler uh, went to the High Court and sued, and that was settled yesterday for €95,000. Uh, and staying with numbers, apparently uh, electric cars are getting more popular as time goes on, with another 10,000 new electric vehicles registered just in quarter one of 2022. Actually, it also comes at a time when, ch- I was reading yesterday, charging points are going up. Uh, electricity prices at charging points are going up. It's going to cost you more to actually charge your car, apparently. Again, this has to do with the pressure on fuel prices and what have you. And, you know, there's going to be legislation that's going to be passed fairly soon that will allow clubbers to boogie till six o'clock in the morning. Uh, the big fear now, according to the Star this morning, is that with all of the clubs and late bars and what have you staying open until six a.m., there's not a whole lot of nightclubs left on Leaside anyway. Uh, although I do hear that there's a new cabaret at Reardon's, which is supposed to be pretty funky and cool. But nightclubs given the green light to stay open until six in the morning. But how are you going to get them home? You know, are there going to be buses running through the night? God dang, there's not going to be enough taxis, that's for sure. Um, But they're saying now that taxi driving should be allowed to be more profitable. Uh, Certainly at this time, I think it's an absolute travesty. Uh, The taxi drivers have to absolutely absorb all of the fuel increases without getting any um, uh, help with regards to, you know, adjusting the fares. But that's just my own thoughts. Lovely story on all of the actors and musicians and those in the arts who are going to get a basic income of €325 per week so that they can devote more time to their creativity. It's a three-year pilot scheme. It'll cost 35 million. But I think we learned over the last two years how important our artists, our musicians, our drama, our our actors and actresses and those that paint and play music and write music and write books, just how important they are. In fairness to in fairness to Leo Varadkar, I don't know whether he wanted to be quoted this way or not, but he was um, he had a bit of a dig at the Late Late Show there uh, yesterday when he was reflecting apparently above in Dublin about, uh, you know, uh, the two years of different types of lockdowns and, and uh, restrictions. He says, I'll never forget watching normal people during the first lockdown And even those nights in every Friday night watching the Late Late Show, which is something I never did before and don't want to ever have to do again. (laughs) I love people who come out of the shadows and say how they feel. Maybe that's why I'm mad about Michael O'Leary. He says he's not giving his... He's going to give his children something, but he's not going to give them all of his money. They figure that he's worth about a billion euro. He says, I'm going to give it to my wife. She can do whatever she wants with it, but we're determined that the kids are not going to inherit a bundle of money. It's all about the different generations. Uh, The first generation work really hard. The second generation continue to work hard to continue building on the first. And the third generation waste it, squander it, pee it up against a wall, they say, in the old days. But he says, I'm a firm believer in the Warren Buffett maxim that you should give your children enough so that they can do anything, but not enough that, that they can do nothing. I think that's brilliant. I think I might might memorise that one. Papers also, you know, talking about the courage of your convictions and people who just say how they feel because we live in a world now where, you know, a lot of the time it's the minority get heard the most because they shout the loudest. But the majority who have their own opinions and are afraid to share them just stay quiet. Apparently, Glenda Gilson on radio last week was honest enough that she never minded 
uh, throughout her life being wolf whistled. She said, as far as she's concerned, wolf whistling is someone paying you a compliment. I'd love to get your thoughts on that because Fiona Looney's come out in the mail this morning in her excellent column and said, fair play to Glenda Gilson. Honest enough to admit that she never minded wolf whistles because it meant someone is paying you a compliment. And Fiona Looney goes on to say, I appreciate that many women object to it, but I'll be as bold as Glenda and say that I never minded it either on the far less frequent occasions that happened to me. Mind you, it did recently, or last summer, she says, as to the 13-year-old boy who told me I was looking fierce well while I was sunbathing in my shorts and bikini top in the grounds of McCroom Castle last summer, well, that poor deluded young fella pretty much made my day, if not my entire summer. So two women, independent women, confident women, no problem with wolf whistling. What are your thoughts on it? And I, I address actually women who get wolf whistled as much as men who perhaps get wolf whistled. Not that it's ever happened to me. Text 0868104106. Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Okay, we'll come back to all of those different topics of conversation throughout the course of the morning. But one I just touched in there a couple of minutes, of, minutes ago was the mauling of a cat to death in Knocknahini. Uh, Jacqueline, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And I know it was Sunday evening, Sunday night, yes. but it was still quite bright. It was um, two, two minutes to ten. All oh, right, just just whatever photograph I saw, the video, yeah. So it probably was dark enough at that stage, was it? Yes, it was. Okay, what happened? Um, I was after dropping my daughter home, and the cat she goes in and out. She's she's an in and outdoor cat. And she's a little cat's name, is it Missy, is it? Uh, Missy. Missy. Yeah, yeah. She usually sits on the, um, the kid's chair outside the porch for a while before she'll come in. A little chair you have outside, yeah? Yes, I have okay. a little chair outside right. and I can see her on the CTV when she goes to the door so I'll bring her in then. Yeah. Um, I got home and I saw a dog and I knew it was Missy because the dog still had his jaws around her throat. I got out of the car, I shouted at the dog and the lads that were with her were over around the corner and I shouted at them, that's my cat and they took off and the dog went after him. But you might have seen the CTV footage, the four lads passed my house first with the dog. They went around the corner, they waited for a minute or two and two of the lads came back down with the dog and they could have I don't know, they must have said some word to him or whatever. He went in the gate, grabbed the cat, tore her like a teddy bear, dragged her out through the front and out the gate and back out into the public footpath. Okay, so what I see in one of the stills is the dog actually um, going for Missy, who's still sitting on the chair. Yes, that's the chair she sits on. And kind of, do you know the way, did you ever see a little dog or a puppy tearing and shaking a, a, yes. a teddy bear or a toy. Yes. That, that's what yes. I see. That's, that's exactly the savage. Savage. I do, I do not blame the dog. I blame the owners of the dog and the lads that were with with the dog. There was four of them there. Three of them could have stopped it. It's, it's just horrific. It was just devastating. My 15-year-old son, he has autism. He still can't process it. His bedroom door now is open below, still waiting for Missy to come in because she sleeps with him. A misfortune. Do you adore Missy? He did. Oh, he did. Yeah, Missy, he did. Missy died from the attack, of course. Yes, yeah, she did straight away. 
Mother of God. What did you do next then? I was in a state, I rang the guards and I I rang a neighbour and she came up to me straight away and she was with me until quarter to one in the morning. She was there with me all night. She, My husband was in the office state. He, he threw his heart up outside the front. Uh, when he saw her, is like, it? Yeah, when he saw her. Because I wrapped her in, I, I got a blanket out of the car straight away and a man helped me and he picked her up. And he put her on the chair for me because I actually couldn't do it myself. I was like, what am I going to do? And he helped me. And I was holding his dog and his walking stick at the same time while he picked her up for me. And my neighbour, as I said, she came up and she washed all the blood from my door, from my glass, from my porch. She washed it all for me. She was very good. So they went away and came back again. They did. They went yeah. around. I am, I'm in a corner place, you know, I, two, two side, kind of side entrance as well. You know, if you go in, I come around my kitchen. I can see them. Do you know where Bernardo's is? Yeah, I know the area up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I'm in the corner there and they passed my gate and they went up just at the start of the field where you can park your bikes and they stayed there and two of them came back then with the dog and you could see the dog going in and being attacked by three cameras there. So I was able to see everything. Yeah, I, I have I have video. Oh my, I have video footage of the. Is that a camera I'm seeing? Um, over. Oh my God, it's shocking what he's doing to that cat. My yeah. God, is that is that a CCTV camera? Yes, I have CCTV. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get the picture only for me having CCTV. But that looks like a Labrador or something, is it? I don't know what kind of a dog it is. I tell you, the truth, I don't know because. When I moved up here last year, I mean, there were, you know, those band things they put around their arms training the dogs. They do it in broad daylight in the fields. No. But they wouldn't be there long enough for the guards to come up and take them, you know, stop them or take the dog, whatever. But they'd be teasing the dogs. And another lad walks his dog across the road. He walks her up and down the walls, training her up and down the walls. To do what? Probably to kill cats. And I, I swear to God. So, like, I they came back. Wrong. They came back a second yeah. time to yeah. to, to, let, to let the dog go to kill the cat because the, the dog. The dog like, was, I see the, the video. The dog goes straight dog for. It's like a wicker. It's like a little wicker chair, and the little cat. The cat yes, is, little, yes. is sitting up in it, and then he just. Yeah. Ri- I couldn't post this video. It's just way I too. Couldn't, I couldn't post it either. It was savage. And he just I'm literally just I won't okay, I'll let people make like up. a rag doll. Yeah. Like the rag doll I was description I was giving earlier yeah. on. Um and they never called him off her and they just stood there. No, they stood there and they took pictures, I think. Now, is there any CCTV footage of them? Yes, there is. I have them. I have them. Their face and everything? Yeah, I've got a clear enough picture. They should be able to be identified. The guards okay. have all the CCTV. No arrests have been made, the guards say, but investigations are ongoing. Investigations yeah. are ongoing. They have, they have the CCTV, the CCTV yes, they said, they yeah. What age they do you think off. they were? Oh, 17, 18. Oh my God, it's such a cru- it's such a cruel world. And Miss, Missy was a nine-year-old cat that you got as yeah, a rescue nine, cat. Yeah, she could have been 10. Well, I, I rescued her from um, a person that was told to put the cat down because she's a little baby in the house. And of course, you know, the babies, but they'd pull the tails or whatever. And the cat would scratch her. She, she was a little scratcher, all right. Just a little few marks of a man's mark. But she was sweet. She was 
she was a sweetie. And how come you kept a video or a camera directly on her when you weren't there? Were you always oh, that wor- camera is that that camera is on my door. That's all there. Okay. And I have a camera out my front entrance and I have a camera out my side entrance. So I had three different cameras to get footage off of. Isn't it unbelievably cruel? Yes. And senseless and pointless. Yes. And vicious. Yes, and I want to put a warning out there now for any new parents out there with the warm weather coming up. If they have a little child out their front in a bouncer and if they walk back into their house for a dummy or a bottle, that their child could be next. Little babies could be next in bouncers. Yeah, I can't make out the breed of the dog. I just can't, but it, it looked to me as if it was some kind of a Labrador. I I, it looked to me like it was kind of a lurcher. Right, or yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, possibly that. Like with a bit of a pit bull or something because it has a big head, big mouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah well, obviously you have more video footage than me. I can yeah, only see it from do, the top, yeah. yeah. Could be a lurcher, yeah. 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 Okay, um, and your poor son now has no idea. He's oh, un- he doesn't no understand why it. Missy isn't coming home. He understands it, but he's not processed it yet. <laughs> he says, yes, Mammy, can we get another cat? Can I get another cat? Can it be a Russian blue? And I was like, uh, uh, no, that cost me about 2000 oh, <laughs> And did you bury Missy <laughs> then, is it? What did you do? I got her, I cremated her. I brought her out to Gladby Vets in Balavian. A misfortune. It's so sad. It really and truly is. Yeah. It's so pointless and so cruel. And it's not the first time it's happened. Though. And you're saying that they're actually training and blooding dogs yeah, to do this? Yeah, they're training them. They are, they're training them. They're training them out there in the field. You can see are they it. filming so it? They have, they have big black things around their arms and their the dogs are grabbing them. Do you oh, know, like yeah, they're training yeah, police yeah, dogs. Yeah, yeah. Like that. It's going to be a child next. And I was there last night and I was talking to a few people out and both... 11 or 12 lads passed me and they goes, where's your cat? Where's your cat? The people up here have no respect. The teenagers up here have no respect. Oh, so there were, there were, there was others then taunting you? Yes, last night. Where's your cat? My window was put in five weeks ago. A big, huge pane of glass. What? Put in. Huge pane of glass put in. I was ignoring the stones because if you go out, you're drawing them on you. You mean they threw and something and smashed the window? Yes, my window was smashed five weeks ago. I'm here a year. I moved up here for health reasons for myself and my husband. And with my child having autism, I wanted him to be in a nice community where he'll meet friends. There is lovely neighbours around her. But the teenagers that are up here every night, they're, they're just like, I'm, they're just vicious. And I'm afraid in case my child will be attacked next. He's 15 years of age. He's nearly over six foot. Yeah, that if he was, that if was out him. on the path or out on the estate or walking around the place, he oh, might be picked they're, up. They're, they're up here. The, the lads up here. The girls now, the girls now are loud, but they, but they don't harm nobody. The girls are very, you know, the girls don't do anything up here, but it's yeah. all lads. Yeah. Groups of them. When my window was put in two, five weeks ago, they all disappeared and literally within five minutes I'd say there was 30 turned up before the guards came. 30 of them. It was like, it's like somebody had a home in Pigeon and sent around all the information what the guards are going to be called. This one's window was broken. It was like a flock of lads coming up. And do you think amongst the flock of lads that gathered were those that put your window in? I don't know because there's so many 
so many up here, I couldn't tell one from the other. And is it just getting worse as the years go by? It is a nightmare up here. I told my husband, I am not moving out of here. And at this stage now, my cat is gone. Is it my son that's going to be next? Is he going to be baited to death by loads of gang and teenagers? At this stage now, I want I want out of here. Do you? Yes. I, I beautiful home. I'm grateful for my beautiful home. It's a ground floor, three bedrooms, beautiful home, every, every amenity I could ask for. But our mental health now is suffering. Because you have no peace. I have no peace. I mean, my husband is not well. He's going to be getting his spleen removed in the next one or two months. That's going to be a tough recovery on him, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it's just, it's just not on. People up here know who put my window in. People up here know the dog. But there's nobody coming to tell me who it could be. Because people are actually scared up here. And sure, if they're underage then, they're, they're lawless and underage. The guard told me there's four lads there. They're going to, if they see those four lads, they're going to say... Oh, that's not my dog. That's not my dog. That's not my dog. I know. That's not my dog. Who's going to how? How are we going and to? And are they all? Are they all like living that? in the general area? Or do they come in from? I mean, what? I mean, you got to wonder what the from, parents. They're are. coming in from every estate up here. Bernardo's up here. This seems to be the gathering area. I don't know about the rest of Knocknany because I come in my door, I close my blinds, I watch my television, I read my book, and I mind my own business. I'm in my own home. I don't. I don't drive around the rest of the area, so I don't know what's going on. You don't know. There. You just know how it impacts on no, you. You used to be that way, though. I know what's happening to me. I, sh- I just know what's happening to and me. And why do you think that teenagers are getting more and more wild and lawless? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's with the generation. When I was growing up, I hung around up here. Exactly where I'm living now, I hung around up here at 14. I never done nothing. I never tormented a person that was living up there. I mean, I grew up in Fair Hill, you know, a little Mount Agnes Road. I grew up there. Yeah. I remember Nathanahini being built. I'm that old. <laughs> I remember Nathanahini being built. But we never done anything to nobody when we were going up here. Even in our own terrace where we grew up, you do anything in your own terrace. Our neighbours had the permission to give you a platter. From our mothers, and yeah. that was every that was every child in the area yeah, growing you up. Do that now? You can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, do you think the parents haven't an idea what their young fellas are up to? I'm telling you now. I've seen people pulling up in their cars, dropping their kids there, and collecting them. They're dropping them here. This is the area to go to. Yeah, but maybe they might think they're just hanging out, uh, <laughs> chewing the fat, chatting. Yeah, they, a might crack. Think, they might just think they're doing that, but they're not. Okay, okay. They need to question their children on what they're up to. You feel trapped. Are they, then. Are they, are they doing anything to anybody that they wouldn't make them to their own mother or their grandparents? They need to get it through to their heads to behave in a manner that doesn't upset people. Yeah, well said. I wonder if others uh, feel like you, and if they do, they may get in touch. Um, Claire got in touch, though. Hold on there before I let you go, um, Jacqueline. Claire, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? It's a horror story, isn't it? To be living in a an area yeah, where you feel uh, trapped. My my heart went out to that lady, actually. Look, I only want to talk to her sitting there. Yeah, just move around a bit there, Claire, will you? The bane of my life phone yeah, lines. I'm in very bad. I'm in very bad condition. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure, I know. I know. Yeah. Um, I'd love to offer a cat there, a kitten there to that lady for her son, you know? And um, 
they're very young at the moment, but I'd be delighted if they would accept the offer, you know. A little kitten that would be ready in maybe six or eight weeks, yeah, is it? I, I, I would not take I would not take a kitten that are too hard. I want an older cat. All right. You want that's an older cat? That right. That's one of the reasons I took Missy, because she was an older cat. Yeah, I know. Nice, yeah, nice, right, kind, yeah. generous offer, Claire. Very, very, very kind. No bother, no bother. If I do hear of anyone with a cat that needs rehoming, you have yeah. my number there, and you know you have to answer. You're lovely. There. You're lovely. Thanks for the um, offer, Claire. Really You're a dote. Listen, you never know. There might be people looking for kittens, and I'll get back to you on it. All right. One of the reasons I went home. All right, girl, take care. Yeah, yeah, go on, it's finish. One, it. It's one of the reasons I rehomed Missy because she was an older cat. I know, I know, I know. And I, I need, I need Karen with my son. Let's keep an eye on the guard investigation on this one and see where it goes. They're certainly not short of identification and CCTV footage. Okay, Jacqueline. Okay, thank you very much for having right. me on. Thanks thank so much. You. Look after yourself. Thanks, Anybody feel that way, trapped where you live and just had enough? Text 0868 104 106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. And uh, the story with regards to uninsured drivers has got some text going. So text 0868 104 106. Calls as well. Ken, good morning. Can you hear me all right? Ken. Well, I know he's there, but he can't hear me for some reason. Serving guard says to me, the, uh, by text, a serving guard says, the guard and number plate recognition system, NPR, is fitted to all road policing cars. I don't, know in, I don't work in road policing myself, but I believe this system alerts for cars out of tax. I didn't think it alerted for insurance. Roads policing guardy all have mobile devo- devices fitted to the guard of car onto the pulse system which they can get this information from, says the serving guard. But 175,000 motorists are deemed as lawless motorists at the moment because they are driving without insurance. Incidentally, it's getting quite bad because the average payout claims against uninsured drivers by injured victims of uninsured drivers, the average payout is nearly €79,000 last year. And these costs are then passed on to motor insurance companies. And what do they do with it? They pass it on by hiking up insurance premiums. But there's a call for number plate system uh, to catch offenders. Uh, the ANPR system allows on Garda Shikona to identify. They're saying the system allows uh, the guards to ident- identify uninsured vehicles simply by scanning um, their uh, recognition you know, with recognition technology scanning their license plate but it is currently operating in limited capacity um, and has only identified 128 uninsured vehicles per day on average so I don't know why it is operating in a limited capacity um, but anyway your thoughts on that are welcome particularly uh, with regards to uh, uninsured drivers yeah, I've just checked on two Ken no, it's not happening for me, so I have to come back to it a little later on. And talking about people who break the law, um, I was mentioning earlier on that there's uh, €320,000 a year uh, being spent now buying new television sets with access, access to multi-channel services like Sky Sports and Netflix, and that was spent last year. We were asking the question, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, you take away somebody's um, freedom, wouldn't, don't you think that's enough? Like, you should be, they should be allowed to 
watch television of an evening, for God's sake. But others were saying, yeah, but not uh, Sky Sports package or not Netflix, not giving them the whole nine yards when many people can't afford it themselves in their own homes. So responses to that. It's all in the name, Neil. Prison It's not a hotel. Bed, toilet, food and exercise. That's enough for him, says John and Skibbereen. Um, I do believe prisoners should have access to television, but not to Sky and not all of the additional channels. A lot of people can't afford Sky and the like. Why should prisoners be given that kind of a luxury? Their basic needs are met in prison. Any other funding should be put into work on rehabilitation and helping them to reintegrate into society once their sentence has been served, as opposed to watching Netflix TV series, I suppose. It's true that people get annoyed at prisoners getting TV and video games, but it's a distraction tactic. Can you imagine having nothing to take from them? They would all riot all of the time. But with the promise of TV or football or whatever, it's easier to get prisoners to behave or they'd lose their privileges. Uh, They're already locked up. Concentrate on rehab of victims, Neil, not prisoners. Behind every crime is a sad story. Listen to your show regarding televisions and prisons. A few weeks ago, there was a caller on your show saying there was no working televisions in the CUH as the remote controls were either lost or the TV was just not working full stop in the hospital. I'm interested to see if the televisions are in working order now or are those unfortunate enough to be in hospital still waiting without TV. Imagine staring at the four walls in a hospital bed. They would probably have better facilities if they were in prison. Love the show. So keep those coming. Text 0868 104 106. And we get back to our phone lines. Uh, Marion's on too. Marion, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Um, I'm okay. Yeah. Are you worn out? Are you frazzled? I am absolutely frazzled at this stage. Yeah, I can imagine. We were talking yesterday about a report that came out regarding carers uh, and the uh, lack of help that they're getting and just the sheer cost to be a carer to a family member. What's your own situation? My own situation is I have cared for my brother for the last 15 years. When my father died, I moved out here to care for my brother. Your brother Stephen, is he 65 year old? My brother Stephen Mackey, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've been caring for him since. Um, has he has he a disability? He has a disability. Uh, There's no specific diagnosis. They, he was always he had always a problem with his hearings. But as a child, he fell down the stairs and fractured his skull, and was in a coma, and came out with a huge disability. Go away. Okay, so is he limited movement and uh, is he going to... He has limited movement. One leg is shorter than the other and um, his hearing is affected. His hearing was never great anyway. His eyesight is going. So he's very limited in what he can do. And did, has that affected him all through his life? Like, did he did he never get a job or did he, is he limited in what oh, he, he can do? he never get a job. He no. never could walk. He's, Stephen, I'd say... In certain areas, I have a grandchild that's six and she would have more comprehension than Stephen. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And 15 years ago, you just moved in with him, is it? Yes, I had a house. I have a house in the north side, which my daughter lives in now. And my father died and he was my childhood companion. So I couldn't see him going into a home. So I moved out here to look after him. Okay, okay. And you're there ever since? I'm there ever since. And being being a full-time carer to Stephen, what would that entail on a daily basis? Well, you get him up in the mornings. It, it depends on whether he's going to cope. I leave him there a little longer if he's not going to cope. But he 
get him up in the mornings, I dress him, I shave him, I make sure he goes to the toilet. At the moment, I have to move out of the room now because I'm talking to him. All right. And he's just kind of listening. Okay. But, um... I have to do everything for him. I have to shave him. I have to tie his laces. And he's a heavy man. So it's taking its toll on me. Are you his older sister then? There's a year between us. Right. Okay. Yeah. So physically, it's very demanding. Physically, in the last five, six years, I find it very demanding. And do you ever get a break or a bit of time or a weekend away or holidays or time off? I haven't had a break, no, since 2018. And what was that? What did you manage to do back then? I was, um, my son was living here at the time. He has since moved to Waterford. So he took a week out of his annual holidays and I went away for a week. Back in 2018? Yes. And was it very tough then through COVID? It was really, really tough because he deteriorated even more. He got very sick just at the end of COVID. He got a bad ear infection and I really thought he wouldn't see Christmas. And I had to do everything then. And you were up at night if he got up to go to the toilet. And my one fear was that I'd find him dead and I wouldn't be able to cope. I know. No, no. That's a fear you carry all the time, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. And do you have a health nurse call in or a GP call in or any respite? No, his GP, I must say, is really, really good to him, you know. But he doesn't make house calls. What GP does now, and I don't get respite. Okay, okay. I wonder why you don't get respite. I don't know because there's no information out there. I have any respite I have gotten was from my family, from family. or true cope. Yeah, because they're saying that actually that the you know the the levels of stress and worry and financial worry piled on families uh, is is pushing them to the limit, and you know the, the carers' allowance is not meeting the needs of those that are caring for family members like your brother. No, it's not, and I'll tell you no, it's. What they're taking into account, oh, he has his own money. My brother has gone so bad that I have clothes in the wardrobe that I never put on him with their tags on him because he can no longer wear a pants. He can't manage the zip. He can't manage a belt. He can't tie his coat. He got heavy then during lockdown mm. because he doesn't get any exercise anymore. Yeah. So I had to change all his clothes. Now, he can be, without meaning to be, he can be quite destructive. I have had my ceiling down three times. We didn't understand that he had to close the shower door. Oh, yeah. So the water came through. This last year, I paid 15000 out to get a wet room upstairs. Did you pay for that? I paid for that because going through the grant system is ridiculous. They stipulate what you must get done. And... My, I was looking at my sister's and in her house, the, the bathroom she had adapted in her house, and it was a half door. Stephen wouldn't have been able to close that. So if the guy that did it sent a poem for special panels and put them in. So you couldn't get that paid for by the state or the HSE? No, because they, they have specific grand. people that they must get done. And they I couldn't. had to do it. Yeah. Because of the ceiling coming down. 
this man did a ceiling in everything in the kitchen for me. Yes, yes, yes. And they are also saying in this report yesterday, and this is a typical example, you spend 15,000 of your own money. So you're forced to dip into your own savings. Yes. Yeah. And have, I, have you had to cut back on essentials then as well? Well, it's actually my son gave, got me. I can't get a loan like that because I don't have enough of an income. So it was actually my son that loaned me, that got the loan from me that I have to pay. Oh, well, it's the family has to pay back the debt, yeah. The family has to pay back the debt, yes. Yeah, yeah. And what is the carer's allowance like? The carer's allowance is 219 euros per week. Okay. Is there any add-ons to that, like a, like a fuel allowance, a medical card? No, all of those are means-tested, and if you have any savings, it's against it. And I'm on a pension now. I'm on the old age pension. So what they did, they cut my pension, and they cut my carer's allowance. So I now get 70, around 70 euros a week for looking after Stephen. The two of them combined make up a difference of 70 euros. 70 euros less? 70 euros more. More? Than if I wasn't caring for him. So your full-time care of your brother comes with the financial aid of 70 euro? Yes. Good God. I mean, it's even impossible to even make sense out of that. It's, it's, It's absolutely impossible to make sense out of it. I don't know what their thinking is, but it baffles me. A lack of there's a complete lack of compassion there, and for what you have to do for a, a person you're caring for, especially Stephen, um, because um, if you hold on, can you hold it? I Stephen? can. I'll take a break. I'll come back to you in a second. Go and get the door. Yeah. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. Marion, I won't keep you much longer. Are you okay? I'm okay. I just okay. had to get a moment to cope. They were called. Fair play to cope. Well, Family Carers Ireland said yesterday uh, that uh, their research shows that those like you caring for a family member are more disadvantaged than any other type of household in Ireland. They say um, it includes a lack of opportunities to work, save, take a break, socialize, have any kind of leisure activities. Um, they contributed so much through the pandemic. It is simply wrong that family carers are now left to struggle to put food on the table or heat their homes. They deserve so much better um, and so much more support during difficult times. And they need additional and targeted and financial support for family carers, particularly those on low incomes. Uh, I would say that by the time all the bills are paid, everybody caring for a loved one is on a low income, wouldn't you? Yes, I yeah. certainly would. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you think at we we um, the cost of replacement carers are putting people into homes is estimated twenty billion. What do you mean by that? And you know, if if I was to not if there were no family carers there, the cost of the government would work out at twenty billion per annum. Twenty billion. Yes, billion. Good God. That's what was in the report. And do you ever worry that if anything happened to you, what would happen to Stephen? Well, I do. And I have been thinking about home, putting him into a home, which is breaking my heart. Because last year I fell and broke two of the bones in my foot coming down the stairs with a load of washing. Oh, for God's sake. And my daughter came out for a couple of days and then my son came up at the weekend. But the, 
if I had broken my hand, there was nobody there to look after him. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You know, if I had broken my hand and my foot, I was in a boat for six weeks and I came out of it, the boat, on a Monday and on a Wednesday he came home with a bad ear infection on his ear. And that was in October and he didn't go back to Cove until after Christmas. So if you wanted to take a week somewhere, get a bit of sun or a bit of relaxation, that would be nigh on impossible, would it, unless it was for a family member helping? Absolutely impossible. And my family have been very good down the years. My youngest son was excellent. He would take a week out of his own holidays, but he's working in Waterford now and it's not possible. I know, and you, you, do, it, you do it because he's your brother and for love, right? Yes, and as, as I said at the start, he's my brother, the others, there was a big gap between the two of us and the five others. There were seven in families. There's only there's, there's only five of us left yeah, now. Yeah. But, you know, he was my childhood companion. And as a child, you don't see the difference. I know. And I know. sure, we went everywhere together. <laughs> I know. And even when I came in here first, when his health was better, we, I took him to um, Prestatton in Wales and we would go to Galway and yeah. we'd go to see my cousin. We went everywhere together. But not possible but now, not no? Not possible now, no. Can you, I mean, can you have now. the chats and everything? Not really. No. His comprehension is gone and he parrots rather than oh, have I a know. conversation. He will parrot and say the same thing over and over again. I know, I know. And his life has shrunk so much anyway, there's nothing to have a conversation about. Hi, listen, I'm in awe of your resilience, uh, your courage and your fortitude to keep going, in fairness, yeah? Well, I'm only one of thousands. Tough and all as well it is. Know, yeah, yeah. Me, yeah, as yeah. you well know, and I must give a shout out to the staff in Glasheen who have been so supportive and so good to me. Little remarks when I thought about putting him into a home because... To get him into respite, if something happens to me, I need to have him on the list. And one of the girls came one morning and said, you have nothing to feel guilty about. And it was such a relief to hear that from somebody else, because I do feel guilty. Why why do you feel guilty? Because do you feel in other aspects of your own life have been taken away from you, is it? No, I feel guilty because I never wanted him to go into a home. Yeah, I know. I don't want my brother to go into a home. But I'm feeling now that I can't give him the specialist care that he needs. It's getting harder, yeah, yeah. It's getting harder and he needs more complex needs now. He has more complex needs now than he used to have. So I'm saying, like, if he gets sick again, like before Christmas, I used to have to clean his ears out three times a day. He was so sick, so sick. And, you know, I had him at the doctor four or five times. I was taxis up and down all the time you know and I'm afraid that if he gets that sick again I won't be able to look after him that's the worry and I imagine that's the worry in many people's lives just like your worries Some this is ones. the worry yeah, and, and people, uh, yeah, yeah. you have an ageing population yeah particularly looking, as your loved ones are getting older you see that's the thing Yes. more yes. susceptible to slips or falls or illness or old age and any deterioration deterioration, you know, in your health. I know, I know, I know. Listen, thanks for sharing your story. It's been lovely chatting to you. Um, and, you know, it's it's amazing the work you do for the love of a family member. So well done in that regard. It's, uh, that's, as I say, you know, 
this is not just for me. There are people out there yeah. sitting at their homes this morning that can't talk, that would be too nervous. Mm. But I'm fighting for me, for my rights, for my brother's rights, and for the rights of other carers and people with disabilities. Because okay. their rights are being eroded all the time. Well said, Marion. Thanks for taking the call. Good luck to you and Stephen. Okay. Take care. Bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Get Thank involved you. in Bye. the conversation. Bye. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. But just as a by the way, we didn't have any winner for Riverdance yesterday because nobody managed to identify the three songs. I guess that one of them was particularly difficult and that was probably um, the... Imagine it must have been th- this one, the Bobby Darren song. Splash, I was taking a bell. Long about a Saturday night. Bobby Darren, Splish Splash created a problem. So today we have three new songs, all of them water-related, aquatic, if you like, for tickets for Riverdance. So we have two pairs to give away for Riverdance today. And the gig, of course, is Live at the Marquee on Friday the 3rd of June. It's the 25th anniversary of the show. Where do the years go? Uh, so that's the 25th anniversary this year. And it's Live at the Marquee Friday, June 3rd. Two pairs. So you need to identify these three songs, Okay. These three songs, artists and titles in the right order. I hope these ones are doable. Alright, artists and titles in the right order. I'll play it again a couple of times between now and 10 minutes to midday. We'll have two winners with two Riverdance tickets each. Now, Cork Prison's under lockdown. 92 prisoners have been confirmed positive with COVID at Cork Prison, according to a statement. Uh, 14 of them are under quarantine and 11 staff members apparently are on staff leave because of it and uh, prison will continue under lockdown. They're going to do another round of PCR testing on Monday. Um, but at the moment, total lockdown. 92 prisoners confirmed positive. Uh, And maybe that's one of the reasons why they probably need to have television. But not everybody agrees. You ask if prisoners should have access to Sky Television. You ask if they should have Netflix. My answer is no. They can have basic television. They are not in a hotel. They are in jail to be punished. There are plenty of people on the outside that have worked hard all their lives and cannot afford the exorbitant prices that Sky are charging. So they have to do without it in the outside world. Why should the taxpayer and their tax have to be paid over the years to use to allow criminals to watch their favourite programmes when the law-abiding person cannot have that same pleasure because the cost of everything has gone through the roof and some people barely survive while the criminal has all the basic needs without having to worry about how they're going to pay for it. Let them watch RTE for a few months. It might put them off going back into jail if they just had RTE to watch. That's an interesting take on things. Of course, the big difference is you can walk out your front door they can't. But keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818104106. And by the way, if you are caring yourself for a family a relative, a son, daughter, brother, sister, mother, father, whatever the case may be, caring for a family member, do get in touch if you're finding it difficult and, f- and feeling as if you're, um, you know, ignored or invisible. Email neil at redfm.ie. Uh, to the phone lines we go, Mary, good morning. Hi, good morning. I think you worked, I'm good, I think you worked in in healthcare for nearly 20 years, is that right? 18, yeah, nearly 18 years, yeah. Okay, was that uh, healthcare worker as a nurse or what what did you do? 
um, a home care support. Okay, what did that entail? Um, just going in now in the mornings and getting them. I was personal, uh, um, washing and dressing them. And did them you have? Did you have many? Did you have many clients? Well, in the pandemic, I did. I did have a good few clients, all right, yeah, yeah. because yeah. you know, you know, they were short staffed and people had the COVID. You know, and a lot of then they suffered because all the daycares were closed. You know, they had no outlook then. I know. You know? I know. I know. So a lot of the time, it was it was, like, it, was it was you there. Their only care, yeah. all personal care, yeah. Yeah, source of communication or visits, really. Yeah. 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 But I feel sorry for that lady that was on, that she said she didn't have any breaks since 2018 and she yeah. had no respite. Marion, yeah. But in my knowledge, my knowledge to that was that it was down to the public health nurse and her GP to organise respite for her. No, I know with the pandemic, there might not be much there for her. But no things have gone back to normal, so she should get the help that she needs. Yeah, and if she, if she did want a little break, it would be a family member that would come in to Stephen. Yes, yes, but it shouldn't have to be like that now today. You know, there's so much out there. She needs the help, and mentally and physically, that lady needs that break, that respite break. And I think it's twice a year they get it now. And would it be, what, a week, fortnight? It could be a week, it could be a fortnight. Yeah, it she would all wor- depend on him as well, yeah. you know. And there are a lot of family members who are caring for a loved one that worry about them as they're all getting older as to what may well it's happen. No, because, like, yeah, what, what happens to them if they go before them? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's sad. It's very sad. Because I hear that story a lot with parents who have children who might be on the spectrum or might be very ill or very unwell or have, you know, yeah, limited like you capacity. Kind of ask your, what would happen you kind of with them if I was gone yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of ask yourself, like, if, you know, since 2018 that she's waiting for respite, you kind of ask yourself, where did that paperwork go? Did it just fall behind the desk? You know, they're kind of forgotten about, really, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And are you not in the profession anymore now? No, I gave it up in October there because um, the pandemic had an awful lot to do with it, you know, so. Yeah, a lot of people did change their life, didn't they, after the pandemic? Yeah, yeah it did, yeah. It, did. it was an eye-opener, really. Yeah, and I, I think as well, isn't there an, an awful shortage of uh, healthcare workers going to people's there homes? Is. Yeah, there why is, is that? Yeah. Do you think? Um, you know, training has a lot to do with it as well. You know, they have to have the VTEC level five behind them as well. Yeah, but I think if someone has experience, so much experience, we said, like Samino for eighteen years, you're not going to go in there with a blind eye after eighteen years. You should know what you have to do. Yeah, you know. But I suppose they need paper to prove it. You know. It's all paperwork. And you think that a lot of it has to do with the person and how compassionate the person is. That should be first and foremost as opposed to yes, paperwork. Yes. You have to have a good yeah, you have to have a good heart and you have to be well able to know what you're doing, you know what I mean? Did you always find yourselves under pressure running from client to client to client, wishing you could give more time? Yes, yes. And like normally before you'd have an hour. Now they give you forty five minutes. Like what's the difference of taking fifteen minutes off? It means a lot to that person that you're in the house with. Like, where are they going with 45 minutes? And why did that happen, that it got reduced by 15 minutes? Save money. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's not rocket science, like, you you know? You'd have to know that, like, if they're taking it from an hour to 45 minutes. Awfully. I mean, it's got to be awfully rewarding work in one way, but very hard. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I really did. And anyone that has disabilities, especially Alzheimer's patients, whatever, they're quite difficult. You know, you don't know whether they're going to get up, you don't know whether they're going to be aggressive in the shower. But like, 45 minutes is not going to do that. No, if you have a double up, it's great. Yeah. But if yeah. you're going there on your own, it's not easy. Yeah. 
And and I've heard as well, I did read something a couple of weeks ago, that even the visit times are getting shorter. See, this pandemic did an awful lot to it, you know. You know, as regards house calls for public health nurses, you know, they only probably go to the houses that, you know, need people that have to have their dressings done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But don't the community take up an awful lot of the flack, though? Take up an awful lot of the work? They really do, whether it's families or, you know, people like yourself. Because God God knows, you you know, the the pay isn't isn't huge. No, no. And I mean, sometimes, I mean, you do, your your work can be quite hard at times. Oh, without a doubt. Especially, you know, if there are nappies and, you know, the showering and all this. It's hard. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. And I feel sorry for that lady, especially she's doing it on her own. Okay, did you say you wanted to maybe... What? Does she have any carers coming into her? No. To help her? No. If she needs anything like that now, it would be a family member would come in and assist. But apparently that, that's fairly common practice, apparently, I'm told. It's never been so bad. Crazy. Because people are taking advantage of, you see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. typical example. Take advantage of people, you know, and until, like, if, and if they don't complain, just continue to take advantage of them. Yeah, yeah. But she just needs to stand up to them. No, okay. Keep fighting. Uh, I think I think you're you're keen for her to get your phone number for a chat. Is it? Yes. Well yes, done. Yes. Thank you for that, Mary. Cheers. Okay. Appreciate that. Look okay. after yourself. Thank you, Neil. All you the best. Too. So I want to say a very okay. happy birthday and good morning to Fred Richmond, who celebrates his 100th birthday, a former water inspector with the corporation. He played with Jack Lynch. He played with Christy Ring. He walked up Gronerborough Hill up to the age of 97 and he gets the number two into town regular. He's a resident now at Mount Cara for the past two years and a loyal listener to this program, Dave McGrath, gave me a shout to say, please wish the one and only Fred Richmond a happy 100th birthday today. And I'm happy to do it. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Yes. Red FM. In regards to the attack on Jackie, Jacqueline's uh, cat, Missy, torn apart and mauled to death. Texter says, unfortunately, this isn't the first incident recorded with one of those particular boys. His hunting dogs have injured several dogs in our housing estate. Unfortunately, one family dog died of horrific injuries as a result the guardia are aware, as is the dog warden, but nothing is ever done. Well, they have CCTV footage of the incident now where faces can be seen. So that, I mean, they, they won't want to sit on their hands on that. Uh, not if they have the evidence. Um, many, many texts on different topics, of course, power with regards to saving power. Eamon Ryan is spot on about saving power. Maybe he should suggest for us to shower with a friend to save on the cost. Another one. Ryan should go wash in the river with a bar of carbolic soap like we used to do as kids, says Eilish. And then on um, the rental crisis, and I chatted about this earlier in the week with many people, particularly when you see so much for rent now on Airbnb. I just heard that Airbnb, I just heard that Airbnb chat on the air and that there are more entire places listed uh, than private bedrooms. I'm an Airbnb host renting out a private bedroom, but not the entire place. Have the researchers gone on to Airbnb to filter down the different types of property listed? There are entire places, private bedrooms, hotel rooms, shared places. The majority of hosts are listing private bedrooms. And the interview process gives the impression that there are more entire places than private bedrooms listed and that Airbnb is causing a housing crisis. The housing crisis was there before Airbnb started and took off in Ireland. Yes, we did drill into those. I'm open to correction. But from my understanding, 1,089 
of the properties on Airbnb are entire properties. With regard to this topic, what I'd like to see is an investigation into Cork City allocation of social housing. There should be more transparency on who has allocated a house and what number they are on the list. I've been on the list for four years and I have three children. Due to separating from my husband, I have no choice but to burden my parents and live with them, which I can tell you is less than ideal. I just wanted to say, because housing is a huge issue that isn't being addressed. There's no point pursuing the private rentals in Ballancolic, for example. They're just too expensive. And there's no hope if you have HAP, as the competition from those not using HAP will trump a HAP client every time. The social housing allocation in the city, from my experience, is non-existent and hopeless. And one more on that. What is it to anyone what a person does with their own property? The left have caused the rental problem with their bad-mouthing of landlords, says Paddy. And that's just a selection. Uh, One interesting one here with regards to uh, somebody who's uh, lost a full-time job, but thankfully got another one. In the last three weeks, I lost my full-time job and car. It was a company car due to the company liquidating. I've had an increase in rent from my landlord, as well as Cork City Council. uh, We're in receipt of HAP. The rent is now 1600 for a three-bedroom house in Douglas. Thank God I picked up another job within two days of losing the first, but unfortunately the wages are nearly half what I was getting in the first place. As heartbreaking as it is to listen to what's happening in Ukraine uh, and Ukrainian people, it's nearly like the famine times again, as our own people are starving and struggling and dying daily, but we're sending money and food and help elsewhere. Simon Coveney was on asking Irish people to take Ukrainians is Coveney himself going to take a family into his own family home? I'm a well-worn-out, fed-up and constantly stressed dad of three little girls. Um, and thank you for that text, tough and all, as you're finding it. Text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines ago. Busy morning, but I do want to do more emails and texts because I've got lots of them. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Hi. And, th- and thank you for sharing your story as a carer. Okay, well, I'm 30 years caring. My son is, um, has autism. He's on the spectrum. Now, he is, um, as we would call it, he's, he's high-functioning, but he has care needs, and um, he likes to be known as a vulnerable adult, but he has no rights. Yeah. He has absolutely no rights. Nothing in, you know, um, can be given to him, or he can't expect anything um, as a right. It's an he, entitlement. Does he, does he spend funding. the vast majority of his life at home, does he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, he will. He will uh, always be at home. And um, as a carer, I have no rights. I have no right for to have any say according to the powers that be, and especially the HSE, to um, request stuff for him because it's up to the HSE and the service provider to decide what they can give as opposed to what he needs. And what, what, okay, what, but what does he need and what should be given? Well, basically, the day services now from the service providers have extra costs put on to them. Since the downturn, we were doing voluntary contributions. Now we're invoiced if we miss a contribution and they have to pay for everything in the day service. And where were um, the, day, the day services? Are you talking about referencing COPE and the likes, is it? Yeah, all of those, yeah. COPE, Brothers of Charity, Private um, Inspire, um, Practice, any of those, Coaction, any of those. They all want um, a voluntary subscription from my son's allowance yeah. for disability. Yeah, okay. So he and has, so he has a disability say, allowance and you have a carer's payment, is it? 
I have a half carers pay- payment half. because I'm a widow. So I get half a carers payment and I still have all the outgoing costs like heating, electricity, food, everything. And are you struggling? Because the report out yesterday is suggesting the many are. Yes, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Yes. And is, is now, it, is the, does the struggle involve um, uh, paying bills, heating the house, putting food on the table, cutting <gasps> back on essentials? Yeah, yeah. You you would like my I kind of uh, you know I suppose look it's a bit of a humiliation to have to say that yeah it's easier to wrap up in a blanket than to put on the heating okay and like now yeah he would have a very finicky diet he would be very much into you know not eating very well yeah. and like the cost for him because even though he's on a medical card because he has sensory issues he can't swallow tablets and. Um, dissolvable tablets like a Panadol or anything like that they're not on the medical card you have to buy them over the counter you have it's to buy the these, Nurofen it's all of these little things that add up to a pile all of these things but all of them have gone up yeah. they've all gone up in price yeah yeah. You know, yeah. all of those kind of uh, things like that. And then you're getting um, invoices from the service that you must pay for this and you must pay for that. Like, you know, I mean, they're the bills that are wrecking my head. Everything else I can manage at the moment. But like, yeah, going forward, you know, if things keep going up, yeah, there will be. Look, because there will could be you imagine there what are. the cost of care to the state would be if, for instance, your son or indeed in the case of Stephen, uh, Marion's brother, we're in full-time state care. Yeah, but even in full-time state care now, they are looking for contributions and they're even asking families to contribute for yeah. clothing. Yeah, and, and you don't think that if a family can afford to do that, that they should, no? Well, if a family can, of course. Yeah. I mean, if there's two people able to work and they're able to do it, fine. But everybody is to be equal. We're all to do exactly the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, I mean, the same amount of money has to go out of my house as has to go out from two people working. The part of the study that I was looking at was that a household caring for an adolescent with a profound intellectual disability can expect to pay a minimum of 752 euro a week or 39,000 a year to maintain a minimum essential standard of living. That seems like a huge amount of money. It does, but like, I mean, you see, if you're talking about sensory issues, like, you know, heat has to be, you know, at a certain level, or if it gets too hot, you know, you have to kind of open the doors. The, it's it's hard to quantify yeah. because every single person isn't the same. But I suppose the food issues would be where we would be coming from. Plus the fact he likes the heat as well, but not too hot. Yeah, I know, I know. And stuff like that. And you see, it's it's all the little extras. It's the extra bit of washing. It's the extra trying to get it dry. You know, I mean, he loves all sports. So he has jerseys and but those heavy um, hoodies yeah. from sports. Yeah. And, I mean, there's something else to try and wash no, and dry. No, you're being very like, practical in what you're describing in fairness. Yeah, I understand exactly yeah. what you mean. It's you not know, as and if it's you all of those kind of things. Like, you know, the things that you take for granted when you're working, you're popping it in and it's not, but suddenly like, you know, wow, the ESP has gone up there a bit or, or a thing like that. You know, all of these kind of... And how are you coping yourself? Um, taking deep breaths. 
and have your warped sense of humour because you just have to like you know and you just keep trying and on the nights now I'm very blessed I get three nights respite in the month we have maintained that it didn't through COVID now it was all cut down and things like that and I swear to God the dog took off hiding and the cat would disappear when your man would be in one door and out the other and in and out and stuff like that because that would be kind of walking around and things when he was yeah. at home yeah, and so he where else bored. can you go yeah except walk from room to room I understand him yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. things like that so three you know, nights a month um, your, your son would go overnight he would go overnight three nights in the month and yeah. what would you do with those three nights Sometimes I just sit down and have peace, quiet and tranquility more often than not. Um, you know, I heard somebody saying there about a holiday. Um, the last holiday that I had abroad was with my husband in 2014. Oh, for God's sake. Did he pass away some years back? He did. He did. He, did. he had Parkinson's, yeah, and he died. And, and did you care um, for him as well? Yeah. I cared for him as well, yeah. You were a heavy load, didn't you? And have still. Yeah, well, I did. But, you know, like, look, um, life hits you with curveballs and you just, yeah. you know, you just kind of have to hit back. But I suppose the biggest problem, and this is what I have experienced, is my lived experience, is trying to deal with the HSC and the service providers. It's like they're on an alternate universe, honest to God. Like you said, fellow, go, what would I like for my son? I would like my son to have somebody who would be like a companion to him who would be able to kind of you know taking places like at the moment now he can't go to the Cork City matches he why? you know he's kind of confined more why? indoors and things now he is very good and why like, is that Catherine? Um, unfortunately, I had a car accident and um, I, my car was written off and like that now it's not something I can replace at the moment Good God Insur- yeah. Insurance not kick in there no? Not yet no they're no. slow as well, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, things like that, it's the everyday little things. You know, uh, as I said, you kind of deal with the big wallops, but it's the continuous, small, little things that are continuously, um, I suppose, kind of, you know, wearing you down. They wear you down, yeah, absolutely. Wear you down. Yeah. And, like, as I say... And you feel that the HSE make it as difficult as possible. Oh, my God, That's they do. That's your experience, yeah. My experience with them is that they are absolutely unbelievable. Now, on the ground, the people from the public health nurses to the the home carers, all of those have had them over the years coming in and out to the house. I have to say they are tremendous. They are brilliant. Um, I can't speak highly enough Mm. for them um, because they do. I mean, like over COVID now, they would ring and say, look, we know you. How are you doing? How is Joey doing? Mm. All of these kind of things. But like, the service provider won't do that. Do you worry as he gets older and you get older, I wonder? Well, basically what I have been doing is I've done a lot of um, Zoom calls and stuff with the carers, Family Carers Ireland, again, who have been you know, our backbone, really. Um, when COVID hit, I must say I had a meltdown, all right, because, like, if something happened to me, what would happen to him? Yeah. And they came on board and said, look, it's in an emergency situation. We would step in and organize stuff for him. And that lifted the whole thing for me because I knew then he would be taken care of in the event of something happening to me. And, again, like, because, you know, at the very start, we were all in our own 
little pods and you know we were so scared of it I suppose we're not as scared now of it as we were but again like yeah um, the, the Family Carers Ireland that really came to the fore um, by putting stuff out by doing Zoom calls by keeping in touch with yeah. us Peter Cox is yeah. absolutely great there you know and Catherine and Claire Duffy all of those like you know they're all absolutely wonderful and one of the things that I have been doing is being proactive in trying to organise for my son that like if anything did happen to me which did but anyway if you know that he would be secured like you know I mean I have a will made where where would he go? he would stay at home he would stay at home the house will be his now and who would mind him? well that's what I'm fighting for at the moment that's my fight is it just you and him? who would come in to mind him yeah in the whole world it's just the two of you? Well, there is, um, he has two older brothers and things and, you know, their partners and stuff like that. So, yes, and I have family members. But full-time, no. At the moment, at this point in time, no. Just the two of us. And again, it's to get... Would that be full-time residential care then from... No, no. He will never go into residential care. He will be here at home. The house will be given to him and it will be his residence if we can get somebody to look after him. If you can get somebody... To be yeah, there. That's my that's my aim. That's what I would be looking for. That's what I would be aiming for yeah. is that he's secure in his own environment, he's happy in the local community are absolutely wonderful to him. And you know, people watch out for him, which they do in the community. I don't want him in a residential setting where he's with people that he may not be able to get on with or may not be able to cope with or anything like that because he has abilities and I want to utilise those abilities, but it's very difficult because um, the way I describe it is that the HSC see a round hole and they're baiting a square block into the round hole. That's a good description of it. I'm going to leave you with this thought, actually. It's a text. Uh, Texter says, Anne Rabbit, the Fianna Fáil TD and Minister of State at the Department of Children, Equality and Disability, which would be your direct minister, was in Cork last night to meet families about disability services. Neil, no representative from the HSE was available to come. The meeting went on until nearly midnight. Parents were telling their heartbreaking stories about lack of therapies, no school Mm -hmm. places, no respite, no help. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it say what the HSE thinks of our children, that they couldn't even send someone to speak to us or at least listen to our real life stories? They don't want to know. I mean, like when my husband died and I asked for supports for my son, the HSE don't do grief supports or counselling. Not at all. I said, what? And if the service provider can't provide that type of service, you don't get it. Okay, okay. All right, listen, mind Thanks yourself. Very much. Look after your wonderful son. Take care. I know you will. <coughs> Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Uh, you care for your son? I do. My son is 21. Now, my son would be in the category of um, severe to profound. Severe to profound. So he, yeah. 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 So he would, um, now he would be high on the autism spectrum, but he would have other additional needs than like epilepsy. His, like you were questioning about uh, Crohn's at the moment. He has neuron migrational disorder. Um, you see, so he's clearly on the spectrum, doesn't sleep much oh, either and has... No, um, like this fo- morning, eventually I got him to sleep at 6 o'clock this morning and he woke then at 9 o'clock, so I'm just coming from his day service there now. Um, so he won't sleep and, and you then no. means that you don't sleep? 
No, my day could start at half past two. It could start and need. He's on a very controlled substance called chloral hydrate, which we were finding hard to get cleared in customs because of Brexit. Yeah. So for four months, it was stopped in the Netherlands. So it's just after getting clearance, he's on a sleeping tablet and he's on 25 milligrams of Phenergan and that still doesn't knock him out. And he is pacing and pacing and pacing all the time. And Pacing um, the house, like, like, pacing the room? Yeah, he'd pace up and down, he just doesn't sit down, he just paces all the time. Now, um, during COVID, like we were living in half years seizure free, and then during COVID, we came into COVID in March and on the 9th of April, the 9th of May, Evans seizures came back. And you know when you're oh, was that because so of long, the was that because of lockdown? Do you think? I think so. I think he was so stressed out that his routine was so disrupted that it took us nearly four months to get them under control. Until one particular night, they just told us this was it. <clears throat> to say, you know, he wasn't coming out of this one. And we've been told that three times before. And in actual fact, it was, um, he was allergic to one of the the new medications they put him on. He wasn't coming out of it, you mean? What do you mean when you say that? Well, they told us we were saying our goodbyes. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> at the time, they were, you know, it was only one person was allowed in because Evan has such complex needs. They left two of us in and we were there like, and the stupid things that you kind of think of like, he wasn't going to a funeral home, he was staying at home with us. And like, you know. You were making plans, he, clearly. Yeah, yeah. And like, I had actually spoke to my family and said, you know, I didn't want him going down um, into the ground on his own. And my dad had passed away just before Evan was born. And would they have any objections if Evan went down over him so that he didn't go down? These are things that go through your mind when you're caring for someone with such complex needs. Dear me, that's so sad. You know? But he pulled through it. He did, and he did, and he's he's very, like, I mean, seizure-wise, he's doing very well now. They came back, but I can control them, and I don't get as nervous about them as I did before. Um, so, so because, because they're, they're, they're harrowing to watch, are they? Oh, they're, like, the first time I came back on the 9th of May, I just couldn't understand why he was gone grey, and why he was like, Ugh, and the eyes and the lips. And like I was just like, what is wrong with him, Al? What's wrong with him? And he said, seizures are back. And over autism and over his, you know, everything else that's wrong with them, it's the seizures that I know is going to take Evan eventually. Really? It, yeah. It is. It's definitely going. He's when one of those bad seizures come, I'll, the day will come when he won't pull out of it. And have you looked at and alternative treatments or therapies and things, CBD oil I, or? I did the I brought him to um I brought him to Germany for stem cell treatment and they kept, and I went to Austin in Texas and I did um therapies there with them and they kept the seizures at bay um for eleven and a half years and as I say then it was when the COVID Lockdown did it. Yeah. 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 Did you pay for all those I, treatments I, and trips and everything yourself. Yeah. Yeah, now I did fundraising and I did get a, you know, so that helped out greatly. And then I did the um, Defeat Autism program and that worked for a while. And then we got the dog for Dempsey for him and that worked for a while. Everything worked for a little while with Evan. You just seem to never give up though, you know? Oh, I'll never give up on him ever. I mean, mean, he is my life. And I you mean, said in your text that uh, he has meltdowns and you have shatterproof windows yeah. made specially in Italy. Yeah. Well, oh. 
it came to a stage where we I knew what was happening, but you know the way you don't want to admit it and you hide a lot of stuff. But when he was in St. Paul's, it came to the stage when he was getting like 13, 14. I couldn't hide it anymore because the bruises were there. And they could see, they could see like what was happening. And they said to me, you know, would you speak to a social worker? And he's very good. And I was like, no, because to me, a social worker was, they're going to take my child away from me. And he was, in actual fact, he was brilliant. And I was actually on a flight and Evan had a meltdown and he got me and unknowns to me because I was in it. He got it, the air hostess as well. So security were brought on and Aer Lingus were very, very good. And they just said, look, we're not going to leave you stranded, but there will have to be a mail on your return flight and there will, he did will you, have to do be you, Did you find that very upsetting though as a mother? Bawling. Yeah. And even now, looking back on it, and I read the report, I'm there going, was I having an out-of-body experience? Like, was I really going through this? And I didn't know, you know? You just, twin- go, you just get on with it. Yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, your your physical safety is important. Like, he's 21 now, so he's a big I lad. know. And then we went for the adaptation for the house, and, you know, they came up. And I, I had a sensory room for him and they were saying, look, we, we, what we'll do is we'll pad the room and so that if he has a meltdown, at least he's safe in there and you're safe. So it was the first time the safe room was done. So it, there was a lot of tweaking to be done on it. And what does and that safe room entail? You say you're, you're, so it's, it's a safe You know, place. if you went into a playroom, we say, in monkey maze for young children, you know, the way the floors are padded and yeah, the walls okay. are padded. Yeah. So I have that. And then it took, I think, about 13 months for the windows to be specially made. So I have windows now that are shatterproof, but the blinds are inside them because I can't have any um, curtains in my house because you just pull out of them. I have no lights. My lights are, in, are into the ceiling, so he can't pull out of those um, my, lit, my light switches are up high I don't have any glass whatsoever I've no mirrors, I've no ornaments I've no pictures hanging from the wall my house is just totally safe for secured my, and locked my, down like my, my TV is in behind Perspex because I don't know how many TVs he broke on us and that's not his fault. Like, like he can't. He's nonverbal. No, it's not about so fault. Of course, he's not. He's not well. Just he not can't express. And I, I always say, if it's bad for us, how bad is it for him? You know, he can't express it. At least I could turn around and say, Jesus, what a day I'm after having. But he can't do that. Like do I'm you, his voice. Yeah. And do you ever get a break just to sleep or rest? Well, Neil, going back to that, the HSC on my part have been very, very good to me. They came in and within six weeks they had a package put together for me. He, I was to get, um, I got weekends off. So this started when he was 16. But because he turned 18, miraculously Evan became brilliant and is no longer needed. In no. their, I know, in their eyes he's no longer an issue because he's an adult, is it? Yeah, so yeah. We, we had to change service. So he went from children's service to adult service and there's no place for him. So while the HSE are still providing um, the package every year, I'm not getting it. I'm supposed to have every weekend off because Evan is two to one care and I'm not getting it. And you haven't had a weekend in three years? I 
gosh, I got very sick myself there a couple of weeks ago. And when I went to the doctor, he said, dear, do you have to go in straight away on an IV drip? And he said, you're lucky it went down your face and not up into the brain, because if it went to the brain, you were in serious trouble. So I rang them straight away and I said, listen, I have to go in. It took me four hours to organize it. Um, I, I should have been in on a trip for four days. I got two days and I had to come home because we didn't have the service for, we didn't have somebody to look after Evan. They won't leave one person with Evan anymore now because he's, he's two to one care. And Your life um, is just stress and anxiety and worry really, isn't it? Yeah. Now what I will say, they, I did, it took a lot of care, a lot, my son, like, I mean, as I say, I have another boy and he's older and he was absolutely and is absolutely brilliant with Evan but like he's getting married next year he didn't sign up to be Evan's carer he didn't sign up to be his brother's keeper and I don't expect that of, of Dylan and I don't expect that of his wife to be I know. and they're and very good and like Neil it's only a small thing but the one thing I would love in this world on top of Evan being looked after is to become a nana and like I mean, I don't want they didn't they they didn't sign up to look after Evan and give up on having children of their and own. And I know you're I know I know that you're his you're his his mum. But do you ever ask that question, or do you ever make that statement to yourself that I never signed up for a life like this? Yeah, but like you look at him and he just give you that smile and he'd light up your life. And oh, you know, sure, I know it's love, but it's, you know, I know I suppose like, I'm looking I mean, at it from I know the point now I'm getting upset, like, but you know. He's my life. Yeah. And I just don't imagine life without him as hard as it is. And it is hard and I won't deny that it's hard and it has got harder. We don't have support. I'm my sister. I'm very, very lucky I have a sister. And she is so, so good to me and always has been good to me from day one. And I always call her mammy number two. But like, that's fine. And like, she has her life. And so, I mean... But like on a day-to-day basis, I don't think anybody can ever experience how hard it actually no, is. And no. like it went to the stage when the seizures came back. And I know it's not for everybody, but I, I'm now back in sleeping with Evan because my biggest fear is I will wake up to a dead child. And From I would never forgive seizures. myself. Yeah, so you sleep together I, like, now. If I no, thought no. I didn't get there fast enough, I don't think I could ever live with that guilt. So I sleep with Evan now. And I know it's not recommended and I know they say you shouldn't do I tried it for one night three weeks ago not to sleep in the room with him. And he was up and out and down the stairs before I could. And that, that was the start of my day. Then a corp has to, at least if I'm in the bed with him. That's a terrible worry to be from. holding, having to, you know, to be, you know, to be carrying with you. I sleep with my son because I'm afraid that he'll die in the night. I mean, it's like you I see, know. for me, it's for me, I'll, I'll chat with you now. And we'll have this conversation and you'll go yeah. your way and I'll go my way and your life will yeah. continue. The valiant struggle that you put up will just continue day after day. Yeah. I'm just trying to get my package back, Neil. I'm trying to get my... Now, the money is there. It's the... They're saying that there's no place for Evan. We did agree that he would go into a two-bedroom um, apartment in the Montanotti for um, once every six weeks. But then he broke the telly in there like so that wasn't going to be an option anymore now they are coming back to me and saying that they're going to push him on um, their respite um, and I'm to get two nights a month starting this month so um, what would you do with those two nights? Oh sleep 
I think I'll just sleep. Um, I've asked for um, the June weekend off because they owe me three years of this and all that money is supposed to be banked. I've asked for the June weekend off because a friend of mine had my 50th three years ago had booked us tickets to um, Johnny Logan in, in Dublin and it's now going ahead in Vicar Street in June and I'm only praying to God I get there because... I don't want to be letting that girl down either. Ah, but it's such and a she, simple thing and yet it means so much to you. Yeah. I know. And you know, like Sleep. Johnny Logan has been really nice to Evan like, and he sent him a lovely 21st uh, video and, you know, because Evan loves him. Like he just thinks there's no one himself. Well, well Simon Casey, <laughs> Himself and Simon Casey. I think we definitely have an affiliation to the Eurovision. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, they're, they're his two things. So they're on constantly they're on play in our house like I mean you come into our house you don't know whether you're singing Long Like the Rivers or What's Another Year or you all know all the time over and over all the time <laughs> all the time it just doesn't stop but well, um, long, may, long may that continue for you you know that you are together for yeah. many years to come in spite of the struggles and the cross you carry it's tough yeah so it's I tough. do have a meeting Neil on the 15th right. of um, April to try and sort this out, okay. like, so I'm, like, I'm just hoping because, like, I was to go to Disney in November and eight hours before my flight, I got told Evan's respite was cancelled, so I didn't get there and we didn't, we lost because Evan wasn't on our insurance policy, we got nothing back and, you know, so, like, yeah. you know, for me, my nickname is Disney D, like, I'm all think that's, and that's what keeps me going. Is that your and, thing, you know, Disney, is it? Oh, I love it. My whole house is Disney. <laughs> we should have a go away and grow up. <laughs> no. We actually put on a pergola there, you know, just to try and do something different for Evan. And we got it enclosed and I put in a lazy spa for him, which he's actually loving. <laughs> but I did that up and, and as Aladdin. So I'm thinking like, oh, I'm here like I'm Jasmine. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll leave you with that laugh then. Look after yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. Thanks for sharing your story. Take care. Text 0868104106. Won't have much time for this, but I can pick it up again after 11 if needs be. Jim, good morning. Neil, how are you, boy? Thanks for holding. You've been there an age. Go ahead. No, your grant is already easy to listen to that woman, so she's an angel. Yeah, um, without a doubt. A hero. And, and you, know, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of mothers like this in the country who are struggling and are screaming for help and they're getting no help. Um, what would you do on a weekend off? I would just sleep. Uh, yeah, don't tell more than that. No, but you know, just, I mean, just catch up on sleep. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, what an angel, you know. And, it, and I've seen it, like, so, so for years, people doing it. We... we we done an extension one time with this guy and he was 17. And until we finished this extension and walks like that woman was holding this young man up in the bathroom every time he was going to sleep. This was the first time that he had, was able to go to a bathroom on his own. What were you putting in? Were you putting a retrofit into it or something? A refit? Oh, we done up the whole house from, but they paid for all this themselves because they weren't qualifying for a whole lot, you know? And my, my point is like, it's very, very hard for people to access funding when they need it. You know, simple things like bathrooms, Small stuff like ramps. Uh, you know, if you want the ramp, you nearly have to go through the same process as if you want a, a bloody extension. Yeah. You know, and they really need to... Instead and of why, well, who's making it difficult for them? Well, it's, it's just, well look, you, you can blame the councils and the social health board and all that, but they have paperwork to do as well. It's just that the paperwork is too hard. There's too many eyes to dot and stuff, you, you know. know that, you know that they lose paperwork, you know that? Uh, we should lose some of them. But look, you know, when the paperwork is difficult, the ordinary guy... You know, he has to hire an engineer, he has to hire an architect, he has to hire, you know, put it out to tender and 
it's just too much for the ordinary fella, who, a woman, who's minding a child. They have enough to do. So we need to get a kind of a better fast-track system. All right. And uh, are you saying that have. builders as well aren't aren't even quoting for work because well, it's too well, tough? Well, I mean, for a builder to go and quote for uh, grant work, um, it, it's a scary place to go, you know. Um, you know, the, the funding. Or you, first of all, all your paperwork has to be 100% if you're a builder. So if you know a builder down the road who's fantastic... Like if his if his if he's one month that isn't up to date, he can't quote for that job. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they're making it difficult that way as well. You know. All right. Okay. Um, All right. But it just needs to be fast tracked a bit more because there are so many people like that lady there in the country and the government like just. And have you been? In, have you been in the homes of families like those? I've been in loads of homes of families like those. Loads of them struggling to cope. St- struggling to cope. Yeah. Um, we've been asked to price so loads of. Grant work, you know, and so we, we certainly wouldn't go near them. You know, I wouldn't go near the, the grant work anymore. Yeah. It's just too hard. Okay, okay. It's too hard to deal with the, with the government bodies. And look, I mean, if you know, if you were building a house, you, you know, you have to get all your engineers, your, your paperwork, all that has to be done for an extension. There should be a separate department just dealing with all this small stuff. If a woman needs a ramp, she should be able to contact the Southern Health Board or the, the corporation, and it should be automatic. And it should be fast. It should be two weeks. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. You know, get a special crew to do it, but think outside the box. It's not fair what they're doing to all these angels. That's what they are. You Thanks, know, Jim. It, it, I'm going to pick it up after 11. Yeah. Got more calls, texts on the way. Appreciate it as always. Text 0868 104 106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show I just want to stop by there just for a couple of seconds because I've been following that Ed Sheeran case perhaps you have as well for many a week now it went all the way to the High Court and as you heard there that Ed Sheeran won the battle over whether Shape of You copied another artist's song I just thought everybody was talking about it but thought we might just stop for a moment and just compare the two songs and see what they were actually discussing in court because Ed Sheeran's hit Shape of You um, came after uh, Sammy Chokri's Oh Why. So this was the song, um, this was the one that, this was the song that came first, right? And then Ed Sheeran denied in court that he took pieces of other people's songs. This is his one. So there's this. And there's this. I'm just smiling to myself here. I'm not going to say anything about that because I don't want Ed Sheeran suing me. Uh, but the judge said that Ed Sheeran did not see, steal part of Shape of You uh, from uh, Sammy Switch. And that's the court ruling. Interesting, I think. There was there was other ones in the past, actually. You're probably aware of the Joe Satriani versus Coldplay uh, allegation of um, of plagiarism. Um, the judge threw this one out as well, actually. So this came. This is the one that this is the one that came um, that came first. Oh, no, actually, what we've mixed them together. So you're going to hear Satriani first, and then Coldplay. <laughs> I 
fairness, like. There's a, there's a fingernail between those as well. Actually, zip your lip. <laughs> Let you guys make up your own mind. One that actually did result in a plagiarism verdict was this one. The Robert Thick, the Robin Thick and Marvin Gaye uh, combo. So have a listen to these two. It's Robin Thick. Marvin Gaye's got to give it up. A lot of that has to, has to do with the beat as well, doesn't it? But that, that resulted in a nearly 5 million euro settlement, a jury awarded. Sorry, it wasn't a settlement. The jury awarded uh, damages nearly 5 million in that legal battle that raged on for two years. So it's all very well to be talking about the court cases and stuff. So that was an, op- an actual opportunity to hear the different types, pieces of audio of the songs that were central center to the battle. So I'll allow you to make up your own mind on that one. Uh, text 0868104106. Big shout out for Layla Cummins uh, celebrating his 7th birthday today. Lots of love from mom and dad, all of your brothers and sisters. And I was talking about the golfer Jimmy Bruin. I actually googled uh, more about Jimmy Bruin yesterday. While he did spend much of his life here in Cork, the golfer, he was born in the north. I think he set up an insurance brokerage down here on Leaside and died quite young actually, I think. He might have only been in his in his early 50s, I think. Uh, anyway, the uh, people were talking about that because uh, I mentioned yesterday I met the golf pro Liam Higgins down at Waterville. The All-Ireland Trophy in golf for club teams is named, named after Jimmy Bruin. Muskery Golf Club's course is also named after him. There is huge history there. And talking about history, what about history in a bottle? Whiskey. I was talking about the prices of Middleton Rare and how much can be made if you just buy them and put them away. Where are all these people selling their whiskies? I have a bottle of Middleton Very Rare, the first early batch and I wonder where would you sell it and to whom you just need to google I can I can get the lads to get it for me again there was um, a, a website where you can you can actually google uh, where you can sell your your whiskies and I'll find out the name of that uh, website and I'll let you know um, I have actually you know what there's a, a fabulous place Did anybody ever go up to Bradley's on the North Main Street don't know whether they do anything about whiskies I'm quite sure they do but the wines up there are incredible I'm not I'm not a wine drinker uh, but I do buy wine as gifts. The service that you will get from Bradley's, from the likes of Michael Bradley and the staff, is such an old-fashioned service, the kind of thing that you kind of don't expect anymore. So that might be a good place if you have a, a really good bottle of wine or a bottle of whiskey, maybe there. Certainly if you're looking for a good bottle of wine. Uh, I've gotten an, an unopened bottle of Tanora since the start of Lent. If whiskey's going up, surely Tanora is too, says Pat. Morning, Neil. You're making a lot of poor people or people struggling to get by in life very angry, you know. Why? Well, that selfish person who paid 350 euro for a shot of whiskey in a pub. You know, there's nothing funny about that. He then went and got a second shot. So it was well over 800 euro to satisfy his ego. It's shameful that people do this stuff while others jump in the river from financial stress. If I could afford 400 euro shots of whiskey, I wouldn't dream of doing such a shameful thing. I'd get a bottle of whiskey for maybe 30 or 40 quid and give the remaining 300 to charity. 
people who spend 400 euro on a shot of whiskey are really, really selfish, says Noel. Fair enough. You're entitled to your opinion on that and that could well be your interpretation of it. But you see, I don't know if this very wealthy American who bought, who got two shots of whiskey and paid 800 euro for them, I don't know whether he gives money to charity. Maybe he does. Maybe he's a philanthropist. We, we don't know. Maybe he weren't worked hard for it. Maybe he has very little pleasures in life and just likes to sample whiskies. Maybe he does give to charity. Uh, Middleton Distillery were selling bottles two or three years ago for €34,000 a bottle for whiskey. You know, um, not suggesting that you give up on the pensions or don't take out stocks or shares or put money in banks. Well, you probably could recommend that, uh, you know, you want to come up with something else rather than putting money in a bank because they'll charge you for that. But investing in whiskey or good wine seems to be very popular. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. And just Red FM. Finally, not rolling in on court cases or anything like that. But just finally, with regards to uh, our Riverdance tickets this week, we've got two sets of tickets to give away this morning. Two pairs if you're a Riverdance fan. And they've been hopping around the boards now, stages for 25 years. It's the 25th anniversary show. So we'll give away two pairs just before midday. They play live at the Marquee on Friday, June 3rd. So, Riverdance, got to do with water. These three songs also have an aquatic theme to them. So when I open the phone lines around about five to midday, these three songs please artists and titles in the correct order. Tide and water and bridges. So those three songs, artists and titles in the right order. And if that wasn't enough for you, another opportunity to get into the next round of our 15,000 euro wedding giveaway. Five grand to be spent in best menswear. Five grand to be spent in Cinderella's closet. Five grand to be spent at Michelle the Jewelers for your wonderful wedding for the two of you. So if you have already picked a first dance song at www.redfm.ie, I'll be playing another first dance song just before midday. If it's your song, get on the phone. 0818104106 and you'll be one step closer to 15 grand. Okay, enough for me. Back to the phone line. Sharon, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good. Um, I, I, won't, I won't keep you too long. I just, I suppose, Neil, I heard the story of that amazing mother um, of her, with her son. And I just... Deirdre's story, I think, wasn't it? Deirdre, apologies. Yes, Deirdre. I just... Do you know what, Neil? I suppose we all hear stories and they captivate us. And I was driving my car and I just... I I suppose, number one, I want to say how amazing she is. And number two, her son is very lucky to have a mom like her. But I suppose I was only going to just suggest if if she wasn't able to get any cover. I've years of service in intellectual disability. I've guarded clearance. If she was looking for that June bank holiday, I don't have plans. I have a busy schedule, but that's the weekend. I don't have anything on. And I would more than gladly, if she was comfortable enough and, and checked out my references and my guard cues, I would offer for her for to come to help her if she needed me. Well, that's <laughs> incredibly kind of you. Have you done this type of work in those 15 yeah, years? I work in intellectual disability. I've worked in the mental health services in Dublin. I've also worked in, um, in a local Cork intellectual disability service, which is amazing, the world's a charity. So... You know, I suppose, Neil, we all have to help each other out. It's very tough now at the moment for, you know, services are stretched with COVID and I know that staff is hard to come by, but I just, I don't know, whatever, she just... Well, you know, there were so many aspects to her story that were... Yeah. They really touch her heart. I mean, being on, on an airplane where her son went into a meltdown and sadly lashed out yeah. and, and hurt her and, and, and hurt yeah. an air, an air hostel. 
it must be very upsetting for a mother, like with all of these other you know people around, you know, and people there looking is, on. And looking a lot on. Of it's mortifying. Will, they don't, they don't understand. I suppose we would take groups out a lot, and you know, some of them present with um, behaviours of concern or challenged behaviours, the old term ones. And I suppose, like, it's not their fault. Our expressions no. are different to their expressions. They're all amazing, and every individual is. But it's just. I suppose it's sometimes ha- it can be very and, hard. Like, and the yeah. adaptation of their home and everything is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. The, the measures it that is. they have to take to keep everybody safe. Exactly. And he's and 21 years he old say, now, he's a big lad. He is a big lad. And like, I suppose, Neil, that's one thing too, I've worked in in, 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 in that area. So if she, I, all I wanted to say was I, I didn't even want to come on air. Was all right, if okay. If you want to pass kind. my details on, I would happily more than offer to um, to, to, to help her because I think she deserves a, a little treat to go to Johnny I'm, s- I'm certainly going to do that at midday today <laughs> and then come back to me if it works out, will you? Let me know. I will, of course. I love, love the show. Thank, Thank you so much. Media. You're very Bye. kind. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for reaching out. Take care, Sharon. I'm sure that Deirdre will be absolutely delighted. Yes, the uh, pop payment ended this week and uh, Texter says the pop payment was very badly mismanaged. €350 was paid out without any thought to people who only worked maybe one or two nights a weekend in bars and restaurants. Or have you forgotten? I lost my job in the recession. I went from €800 per week to €221 social welfare. You soon learn to manage your income. Don't you remember that off-license sales hit record figures with young people on PUP who earned €80 working weekends and then went to €350? Party money overnight. It would have been better if PUP was based on a percentage of your previous year's income. Maybe 50%, 75 max of your take-home pay. But as usual, the government panicked and lost the run of itself. And then there's lots on landlords and lots on conversations about people living in hotels. All that and lots more after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Talking about all these different court cases there a few minutes ago and also chatting with the lad who toured all over Ireland to visit all of the plazas that have um, Supermax. So that was fun yesterday. Uh, Can I move from one uh, fast food uh, mega giant to another? Burger King. That's in the news overnight because um, they are actually being sued in court. Uh, Not because um, of, you know, necessarily the quality of their food. Well, maybe kind of. But more to do with the photographs they take advertising their, um, their, their burgers and their chips and the size of them. So apparently the advert for Burger King's trademark Whopper has been singled out specifically. A lawyer is claiming that the entire burger is 35% larger in the photograph than it is in the real live burger itself. And they've been accused now of misleading customers by making its food look bigger in adverts than what they actually serve. This is in America that this is happening. Uh, and they're, they're being told, you know, it's got to reflect what the actual product is when somebody buys it. The advert for the Burger King's trademark Whopper has been singled out. And this is a South Florida lawyer who's filed the case claiming that the entire burger is 35% bigger in the picture than in reality, and gives examples of the actual Whopper that he got in a Burger King and the, and the advertised photograph of the Whopper, which are like two completely different things. Um, and then he does the same with the actual Big King burger, the photograph of what he actually got and the photograph of the photograph 
of the advertised burger. They're like completely different. I think that there, I mean, there is such a thing as kind of like food porn, isn't there? And then you have professional photographs who, photographers who only take photographs of food. I remember reading an article on this sometime back where the, if they're taking a, a photograph of a burger, right, and they need to get, say, the ketchup on the burger, they use a syringe. I mean, they actually syringe the burger so that it drips in the most unctuous and, wa- and mouth-watering places. So they really, really stage the photographs. It's not the first time, apparently, the Burger King has been accused of increasing the size of its foods and adverts. This is a claim now. It hasn't been proven in court or anything. Um, Burger King does not comment on pending or potential litigations. But I think we all would have examples of that, isn't, isn't it true? First of all, they say you should never eat in a restaurant that puts pot- photographs of its food on the menu outside. I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> But that the photograph of what you see and the actual product that you get are like light years apart. You could, I mean, you could probably say that about all fast food, really, couldn't you? Unless you get it absolutely in the moment made fresh. But that'll be an interesting court case. I might share this actually online uh, a little later on because if you saw the different photographs, one of the actual Whopper and the advertised one, and then the photograph of the actual Big King and the advertised one, they're like, I mean... That care. I won't even describe them. I'll just say you'd have to see for yourself. They're like day and night. Anyway, text 0868104106. So a lot of weird and wacky stuff happening in the courts these days. Your thoughts are welcome. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Thanks to everybody who got in touch yesterday with regards to Airbnb and trying to rent properties and what have you. Do you remember the chat or the email that I read out of the family who are living in a hotel and they're living in the same hotel as to where... Um, uh, Ukrainian refugees are also now living uh, and they feel that they're not being treated the same as the refugees with regards to certainly with regards to the food or people calling asking do the children want anything and bringing books and colouring books and playthings and footballs and nets and all sorts of things well Irish families are in the same hotel and nobody gives a damn about them. That lady saying the Ukrainian refugees are getting more in a hotel, of course they are. Because the government, civil servants, in conjunction with the EU, did a deal with the hotel for full board, not half board, like they did with social welfare clients. That lady is getting exactly what she's entitled to, so stop being so jealous and bitter towards people who had no choice and were forced out of their home country. You'd be a better person asking how you could help, says Des. Interesting though, isn't it, that um, the government would do a deal with the hotels to give Ukrainian refugees full board, but yet Irish families in the same hotels get um, half board or bed and breakfast. Uh, That seems unfair. I'm so sick of this welfare state. Tell that woman, don't have four kids if you can't afford them. Think about getting a job. Who does she think pays for her hotel bill? Me and you. I'm a single mother of two. I work 50 hours a week to pay my mortgage and bills. I don't get a penny from the state. I was reared with the strong work ethic, you see, and thought to work to support myself. My kids go without to pay bills, and I pay a fortune in tax so that she can sit on her backside. Why should we pay for people who are lazy? How do you know that she's lazy? How do you know... Uh, that she never had a job or didn't work hard? How do you know that she just didn't lose her house because a landlord took it back and she can't find somewhere to live? I'm really torn on the Ukrainian issue, as in, I do think we should help, but I do think we should let Ukrainians into the country, but it shouldn't be at the expense of our own homeless people. There has to be a happy medium. I do think there's an element of showing off from politicians to other countries of, you know, look how many Ukrainians we're taking in. 
and what how good we're doing for them. Hotels aren't taking them in out of the goodness of their heart. They are being well paid. Unfortunately, the poor Ukrainian people would prefer to be back home and living a normal life. I'm delighted Ireland is helping out, but unfortunately, I do think treating Ukrainian refugees one way and homeless Irish people another way is only going to breed one thing, two things, racism and resentment in the country, which in the long term, that will be very damaging, says Gillian. And one final one. Uh, the woman who emailed from the hotel is right. The government's a disgrace the way they're treating their own. It is a two-tier system. Why couldn't the government draw down money from the contingency fund to help their own people with housing and living costs? I've been on the council list 11 years. I lost my job over COVID two years ago and the pop payment stopped last week. I'm renting privately and the landlord won't do HAP or rent allowance. Where did the likes of me go for help in my crisis? Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Okay. Cork's Red FM. Hold on, Denise. I'll get to you in a second. And I want to apologize to Vincent as well. But I, I'm just very conscious of so many texts and emails. And I'm just trying to kind of juggle, get as much on as I can. Vincent, good morning. Huh? Hello. I think, I think, I think, okay, I'll come back to him in a second. He's talking to somebody else. Denise, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, were you at that meeting last night with uh, parents of children with additional needs and um, and uh, as as full time carers? I was, yes. Yeah. And uh, then the minister was there, Anne Rabbit. She was, yes. Okay. And no one from the HSE. No one from the HSE. Okay. That that seems to have been disappointing. I'm told that nobody was there to listen. Absolutely, because we have no answers to any of the questions that were put out last and night. What were the questions? Give me an idea as to what pe- parents were saying. To be honest, it was it was quite harrowing, Neil. Um, I have a son on the spectrum and we've been fighting for access to therapy intervention since he was first seen at 18 months old. And he's nine and a half now and we've never met anyone. Um, no one has ever met my child. So I went, I suppose, to try and find out what's happening. What am I supposed to be doing? Because I'm, I'm coming up against walls. When you say he's every, nine every now turn. and you've been fighting for services since he was 18... Nobody has met him, um, as in nobody from a health setting has met him? No, no one within the HSC has seen my son. And has he been assessed by anybody? He was assessed. We have a private diagnosis. Private and then he received yeah. the public diagnosis after, so that he had a case in um, Sonnis ASD preschool. Um, and since Sonnis, you're kind of left on your own after that. Um, and I have a big, giant, massive file of... Emails, letters, phone calls recorded, you know, in, in written word. Um, and I'm getting nowhere. I'm getting absolutely nowhere. You said, um, I felt almost ashamed to be speaking about what seems like minor issues in comparison to the horror stories I heard from families suffering. Was that last night? Yeah. What What? Yeah. What other stories were being shared? Neil, it was... I, I almost feel like I shouldn't speak on behalf of the other family. Please please do, because I wasn't there, if you don't mind. So well done for doing that. Well, for me, I mean, from my scenario, I went trying to understand services and trying to understand school placements for my son's future. He's going to age out of primary and we have to be looking at secondary at some point. Um, And I just got such a shock last night at how broken the system really is. I knew it was broken but it's beyond repair. Not being able to access appropriate or any health equipment like wheelchairs, leg supports, not being able to access proper beds, bathing facilities, family support granted, uh, but never provided. Uh, Those those are the kind of stories. 
it was harrowing. It really was. I don't think there was a single person in the room who didn't cry at some point um, hearing the different stories. And I mean, don't get me wrong, we have a struggle and we have a fight for our son, but it isn't a patch on what these families have been going and through. And many of them spoke and as well, I'm work. told. Thank you for your notes. Many of them spoke about the financial hardship of trying to, risk, trying to survive on the pittance of a carer's allowance. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, Neil, none of these resources are available. No one is approving the funding for them within the HSC. So these families are left to try and, and fundraise themselves or to raise the money to buy the equipment for their children. And you're not talking one or two hundred euros, you're talking thousands upon thousands. And you, and a number of these people in the room, um, both parents were carers because they had more than one child with additional needs. How can you save for equipment like that when you were receiving a pittance of 270 a week? How do they do it? They Fun- can't do it. They, they're left to fundraise with family or friends and there's only so much you can ask for. While families you know, save the state a fortune um, they do, because they are yeah. caring for their children themselves. Exactly. And and this is the frustrating part of it. I mean, there were stories last night about people um, being humiliated almost by their public health nurses asking um, how many incontinence pads their child would need this week. And it's almost frowned upon if you ask for too many. You know, it, everything, it's humiliating. Every that is the word the for it. Humiliating is the word, yeah. yeah and these is. are the people who are saving the state financially, yet they're humiliated for wanting to help their children. It really was a shocking listen for me as a mother sitting there. It went on until almost midnight last night. Um, and I didn't expect that. I knew it would be, I suppose a volatile environment but I did not expect the sadness that came out of it I really didn't there were families that had been approved home support hours and um, they're unable to provide the staff to do it and the families are not receiving that financial help like they should they yeah. should and respite as well as that provide yeah. Yeah. absolutely if and they d- can't provide the, someone to do it yeah. they should be giving the funding to the family so the family can source someone to do it but they're not doing that so where is this money going and that was the big question. But the minister was in the room, like the major stakeholder was, was yeah. there. Yeah, and, and I'll be very honest with you, she was very out of touch with what's really going How on. How can she be out of touch? Like, she's... <laughs> exactly. She's, well, she's minister of state, like her responsibilities are mm. exactly the kind of stories that she was hearing in the room last night. Mm. She, she mentioned so Disability. many things that were, were countered last night. Um, there was a number of representatives, um, principals of a number of special schools in attendance, which was incredible to see. Like they showed up and they fought for their students, you know, and um, they had mentioned how uh, the multi-D teams had been removed from the schools and the minister was under the impression it was 14.5 staff had been removed. The real number was approximately 55. I mean, she was that deluded. She didn't even know how many staff had been taken not returned and what the number really was and that was just one Did she know about the health equipment necessities that were being denied families for instance? Did she know of grants that have been been approved but not paid? Yeah, an element of awareness but not that they weren't being paid. And was it was it just more of this? Was this more? Was it more of where we acknowledge that there are problems and we're doing our best to fix them, fix them nonsense, was it? I, I will say for the minister, she did seem like she wants to help, which um, is appreciated. And she did show up. I mean, she was aligned with slaughter last night. She really was, Neil, you know, but she showed up and nobody from the hate. Well, why shouldn't she? I mean, she takes on the mantle of children, equality, disability, integration and youth. Exactly. 
exactly. And, and you know, an awful lot of people questioned how she is in charge of these HSE um, staff. She should be insisting that they are at these forums. How, how can you answer these questions without being present, you know? And we, we do deserve to be told what's happening. These are our children. And at some point, they are going to become adults. And we want them to be functioning adults in society. We want them to be holding down jobs. We want them to be paying into the system instead of being a drain on the system. Uh, it's easy for a minister to tell support. people to go on, to go and, oh, look, you really need to be using the likes of the Rainbow Club. But isn't, doesn't, doesn't the Rainbow Club fund, fund itself? It does. That frustrated me, Neil. My son was one of the first children in the doors of Rainbow Club. Unbeknownst to me, I had a flyer given to me from my sister that she had come across. And we met Karen and John years ago. My son was only two at the time. Um, And I have seen the slog that they put into that club. I've been a part of the fundraising. I fundraised for them myself. Um, We are active within Rainbow Club. And to have a minister stand there and say, look what they're doing without funding supporting a thousand um, children plus their families aren't they incredible i found it disgusting i really did i said how how can you do that it's almost like saying go and use their services when you should be providing them for correct the no you've said it, it. shouldn't That's, be left yeah you've hit the nail on the head maybe the hsc maybe know? the hsc should have nothing to do with disability yeah, I think they should be removed completely. After what I heard last night, they need to be removed. I feel like the funding that's being allocated to additional needs has been taken up by the larger salaries within the HSC and the money is not reaching the ground where it should be. Okay. There's far too much middlemen going on. I mean, I'm seven and a half years fighting and I haven't gotten a single therapy session through the public system. Everything we've done is private. And do you know what? I'm privileged that I can do that, Neil. And it, that really hit home to me last night. We're so fortunate we can do that for our son because there are families there that can't and their children are being forgotten about. But do you worry and about as he gets older, though, you know, his, his, his education, his quality of life? Absolutely. Now, we're in a, we're in a good place, thankfully. What the interventions we've been doing are working. My son is doing well. But the future is always a concern. I went last night to try and have some light shed on what I'm looking at for secondary school and the number of units that are available in secondary schools, there are none. There are none, you know, and we've known about that for a really long time. We've seen it coming up. These children that are in units in primary school, they need somewhere to go. Oh, listen, we discussed much of this some weeks back with, uh, it all started with Dervla Burke. I don't know if you heard any of those conversations back at the time. You know, I know. Uh, I, I hope to. I hope to. Like, I hope to catch up with her next week to see if, yeah. you know, shining light on it, and you know, a lot of media picked up on it afterwards. Whether it's making a blind bit of difference. Mm. Yeah. It really was heart wrenching last night, Neil. I, I can't even describe it. I mean, all these parents want to do is provide a quality of life to their children with dignity, with help, and you have absolutely. And there was a father who spoke so lovingly of his son, a wheelchair user who has the ability to walk but needs assistance. He needs, and again, I don't know the, the appropriate wording because it's not what we deal with, but yeah. maybe it's a chunts or splints or, or some support. And the pair that they have are so old, they no longer fit. Even if they want to try and help him to walk, it's cutting into his legs. It's actually barbaric. And they think this is okay. You know, this is totally acceptable to them to leave a child without these supports for years. For years, Neil, you know. It's just heartbreaking. It really was. I know. Uh, I, was, uh, I was on the air about six months ago talking to a young Cork lad who was fundraising. I, I wonder how he got on, whether he ever made it to his fundraising target just to buy himself a prosthetic arm. You know? It's, it's 
disgraceful. Isn't it? it really is. And then there was there was light shone on the systems abroad. A number of the families had lived abroad for a period of time and they detailed the services that they received as a standard in these different countries. And like it's just appalling then when you look at our system in comparison, you know? Okay. All we want is the best for our children and for them to, to flourish. Um and if you don't have the financial means to do it, it's not going to happen. We can't rely on, on our services. They're non-existent. Okay, well, listen, thank you for your contribution, Denise. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. In a re- recent conversations on air, we are talking about uh, issues to do with the keys. I'm, I know I'm off going to a different topic, but I'm trying to cover as much, much ground text-wise as I can. This was down around Kennedy Key, for those of you that might be going to the marina market and they got other people talking about you know wheelchair accessibility and people blocking wheelchair spaces or taking them and people with them without blue badges i was verbally abused when i asked a private car to move from a taxi rank just last sunday i couldn't have been nicer when i asked him i'm still upset over it as the abuse i got was desperate I rang the Gardaí, City Hall, politicians about situations like this for years and I've been completely ignored. I've been laughed at. Please help. You're the last chance taxi drivers have. Uh, I don't know what I can say about that because I am hearing from taxi drivers that particularly on a Sunday when there's no traffic wardens is a free-for-all. People just park their cars anywhere knowing they get away with it. All I can ask people to do without wanting to sound sanctimonious about it is to cop on and give taxi drivers a break. Well, yet the taxi driver spaces are for their cars so they can do their job. It's a bit like loading bays for vans and trucks. They're there to make a living. They're trying to keep commerce moving. Would you stay out of their way? I feel a big problem with regards to uh, wheelchair accessibility is the signage. Wheelchair spaces should be for wheelchairs only. Uh, there, there, There should be then down the line be spaces for the elderly with a walking stick or walking frames. And finally, further, parents and children, if possible. It's impossible to get parking in town or anywhere else in Cork. Uh, And one final one. What happened in the Marina Market, where cars were clamped um, on the quays, is just one example of how how city council are against local business. Um, We are told to support Irish, support local, but everywhere you go in the city, you have to pay for parking. That is unless you go to a shopping centre filled with large international companies where there's free parking. To support local, we should have free parking in our city centre and all of our towns. The council and government will say they've brought thousands of euro in revenue in from parking fines, when the reality is that they are costing Irish companies thousands in revenue by deterring people from shopping in cities and towns with paid parking and reduced spaces. Costing Irish companies revenue in turn is costing the Irish government thousands in corporation tax. They're only shooting themselves in the foot while also reducing small local business, reducing the local economy and local opportunities. Who'd set up a business? Proof in itself that the government is anti-entrepreneur and anti-small business owners. You've got to ask yourself the question anyway with regards to trying to run a business and the cost of it in this country with all of the additional charges and taxation and rates and VAT and PRSI and everything that's got to be paid. who do it? The only problem, though, I think, that is, uh, you know, if you said there should be free parking in our city centre and towns, who'd use it, though? That's the problem. If it was just free parking everywhere, uh, I think shoppers wouldn't find a space because it would be everybody that was working would be parking up for free. And then somebody wants to come in and shop and they find they've nowhere to park their car. Apologies, that's a little bit too soon. I thought it was an outbreak. Back to the phone as we go. James, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. Okay, I'll try and squeeze in as much as I can. Go ahead. I just wanted to make a point there about the previous few texts you read out a couple of minutes back. Uh, some negative and some positive towards that lady yesterday who was living in the hotel. Yeah, well, she was comparing um, how they're treated as an Irish family in the same hotel now as Ukrainian children and families have been treated. And it seems very different. It does, it does. And I, look, it's not fair, I suppose. But the, the problem with it, when you, when, like, I've no problem with the woman coming on and, and, and saying what she had to say, but the problem then is the judgment. And you can look at it in both ways. Like, she is, she, she's right in what she's saying. Why should she be treated different than her family? But I, I think we're creating, it's early stages of creating a bit of a negativity towards the Ukrainians. That mm, are that's not them. intentional, but I think it needs no, to be no. called out at the same time. Not intentional. Not, yeah, not intentional by her, but by some of the text messages you read out. Like, there was one that said, um, why don't she get up and get a job and stuff? Like, there is backstories behind everyone else, and you can't go around telling everybody your backstory, how you got to this Well, I can tell you one thing now for sure. I spoke to this lady um, on Monday night uh, with regards to her coming on air, uh, and she was due to come on air and then changed her mind because she said, if I come on air, I'll get absolutely savaged by people who are saying that I'm lazy and I'm a freeloader and I want everything for nothing. So she sent me an email instead. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does, 100%, and I, I know where she's coming from, and she would have. She would have having a 50-50 split, negative and positive, and, you know, it's not nice to hear the negative things when you're in a situation like hers. But the problem here in Ireland is the government are after putting the Irish people into such a hole that when they see, any, when they see the government giving any support towards anybody else, it's just taken automatically, negatively, because... No, but why Why would it be acceptable for any of us that refugee families will get full board? They get breakfast, lunch and dinner. And an Irish family in hotel bedrooms, because they have nowhere else to live, get breakfast. Well, I, I, I'm not saying that it's, it should be acceptable or anything, but my point is, it, it's fair enough to bring up all these comments once people don't get lose themselves and start pointing the fingers at the at the Ukrainians themselves. Like, they're here, they're, they've been forced to come here. Whatever they're going to be given, they're going to take with open heart. You know, and we can't, as Irish people, we can't give out a vibe that, you know, we're looking down our nose at them. We have to look down our nose at the government. We have to keep pointing this towards the people that have caused the Irish people who are struggling. You have, it's you know, it, it, it can't be directed at the Ukrainians. If you, if, if, um, uh, you, if the, the Ukrainians haven't failed us, it's the government. Successive Irish governments have failed the Irish people. Yes, but like if our if our if, if our country was rolling high at the moment, no no health service problems, no housing problems, no no major issues across the board. Right. There wouldn't be any discussions about what the Ukrainians get when they come in here. Okay. And, 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 you're, and you're speaking from your heart because you said in your text, I was there myself and nobody knew my backstory. What, what, do you want to just do, develop on that? If I, if I went into that too much, uh, we'd be here all day. But a quick, just quickly, um, uh, I, I lost the house a couple of years ago and there was a couple of comments made saying, lazy, lazy guess, it wouldn't pay his rent, a couple of things like that. But I, the, the close people around me knew the true story about it. And I didn't have to go around preaching or trying to defend myself. Um, 
to everybody yeah. because I know the people that matter. That you me. weren't lazy, that you weren't a freeloader, that you weren't looking no, for everything. No, 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 no. I, I had two years of a blip in my life. I'm 43 and I had two years of a blip and it cost me my house. And I'm still, still wearing the effects of it now. I'm still trying to piece the family back together. Go Since man. 2017 this happened. Yeah. Um, but it was prior to the 2017, it was, it was two years of a blip. And it wasn't a major blip, it was a case of I wasn't working, I got into a rut, and basically what I was getting from the social welfare payment uh, covered food and one or two other things. But people were very judgmental, is it? People can be very judgmental, they jump to conclusions, is it? Yes. They do, but I you need people jump to conclusions when things around in their own life aren't coming together correctly. Yeah. When people, when everything is 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 happy days, people just say, yeah, fair enough, you know, that's that's okay. They deserve it. But we're in a crisis here in Ireland ourselves, so it's understandable why people are mad. Point the anger at the Irish government. Okay, but it's I think the story still needs to be told, though. I can't very well say to this woman, well, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm not putting you on the air. She's four kids and they were playing and a group arrived at the hotel and gave the Ukrainian children little bags with colouring books and crayons. Another yes. fella another fella came in and asked them what sports do the Ukrainian kids play. I, I listened to the whole yeah, lot. I, and I and it was like I'm as if her own kids were invisible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying she shouldn't have came on. She should have. And she should have came on and spoke as well. If she wanted, if that's what she felt she needed to do, she should have. But I'm not, I'm not, everybody should be able to say how they feel and, and, and okay. express themselves. But my point is, just to the general people who are making a couple of the comments, don't, don't be calling this woman lazy. Don't be, don't be pointing fingers at her saying she should be glad that she's getting half bored and, and this and that and I have to work all my life. Uh, okay, if you work all your life hard, Congratulations, we're only here for a short time anyway. We're going to be gone before we know it. We're only minute in this world as it is. So let's try to get along and stop stop missing the biggest point. Our health service, our, our, our four or five major things that keeps the country okay. running are in big trouble in Ireland. Okay. And people are frustrated, so... I think they're turning their uh, anger towards... She's frustrated, she says. She's 12 years on a housing list and she's six months in the hotel. Hello? Yeah. Sorry, Vincent, did you want to jump in there before I finish? I I, I think it's a very... uh, Like, what what this man is saying, like, we have the problems. We are, as a country, are awash with money. And you look at the lady previous, the very good speaker you had about disabilities. The country is awash with money. It's not like before. We have a load of money. We and don't, actually. We've problem. got a, We've got a, an added debt now because of COVID. Yeah, we have, but, but there seems to be money for everything. Everything. And uh, the point he made, there's nobody decrying de- or giving out about the Ukrainians. Suddenly, I wake up this morning and I open the newspaper. Suddenly, out of the sky comes 8,000 houses. The Fair Deal scheme. How, do, how is it that Owen Murphy couldn't find them? How is it that they couldn't find them in the last 10 years? And what? Uh, I haven't seen that story. Forgive me. I don't see them all. Houses, no, can be rented out to Ukrainians and you couldn't... I, there's a house within the stone stone in Bishop's home and should, they couldn't do anything with it. Are you telling me the government there? has released 8,000 homes for Ukrainians? Yeah, yeah for, if you can rent them out and the owner can keep the money. That's the deal. But these houses were there all along. During the housing crisis. Uh, you, oh, you're talking and about so, private homes, is it? Private homes. There was 8,000 8, homes now being released 
on to the scheme and you can house in your 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 Ukrainian, take the rent or whatever the state will pay it the whole lot. Uh, I haven't seen an article on that. I mean, are they are they homes that only are they homes that only can be rented to Ukrainians? But, yes, as far as, I, well, what they're saying is, they, you know, the idea is for is to release up the properties for Ukrainians. But I also think they're going to release them for other people as well. I ah, think <laughs> that's entirely different now. That means that anybody can rent I them. I know that, but ah, I think. Yeah. So why are you kicking out Ukrainians is, then? No, no, it's no, not. No, no, the point I'm making is how how is it that five or ten years ago they couldn't find these houses at all? All they had to do was tweak the system, change the law. I'll yeah. give you another one: PPS numbers. A doctor in CUH that I knew. It was it was recently. I think five months waiting for a PPS. Three months waiting for a PPS. Four months waiting for a PPS. Now, a Ukrainian comes into Dublin, into Cork today. He has the PPS on they're, fire. They're raining cluster bombs on their homes in Ukraine. They had no, to, no, they no, to move fast. Not, no, no, but the point I'm making is, how is it that the government can act like this and they can't do it all along? Suddenly uh, they can find 8,000 homes and suddenly they can find PPS number in two, in two days. Look at the lady with disabilities. The lady for the kids, the disabilities I was talking. I, I, yeah. I, I said this back in January. There's some politician in the doll should put down the motion in the doll and, and it, what it should state is, uh, should we withdraw the word republic from Ireland? When you look at the state of uh, uh, autism... And all disabilities. Did you fill in? Did you fill in your census? Did you fill in your? Just finally, I'm out of time. Did you fill in your census form on Sunday night? I didn't. Did you fill in any note at the back of it where you can put in a time capsule? No, because I'd be well gone. I'd say by then. So so you didn't. You didn't. You didn't use that space to tell people in a hundred years' time how you view Ireland now. Oh yeah, we 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 are like as that man says. Like when you start giving out, you think you're giving out about Ukrainians. You're not giving out about the Ukrainians. What, what the public are giving out about is the way the bloody country is run. Okay. okay. You know, okay. It's the way the country is run. Okay, I'm, I'm out of time, I, guys. I did, you wanna, did you want to jump back in there, James, before I go? No, just, uh, just uh, look, uh, welcome anybody that that's okay. wants to come here and uh, let everybody get along and let's keep on the government's back about getting the country back to where it should be. Everyone with a house and everyone be, should be able to walk into a hospital and get treated for whatever treatment they need. That's what, we, that's what we're about. Well, no, that that would be a wonderful world. Thank you, James. Thank you, Vincent. To everybody else, I'll pick it up in the morning. I'm out of time for now. So two sets of tickets for Riverdance for the Live at the Marquee gig on Friday, June 3rd. Now, Riverdance, of course, water. These songs have an aquatic theme. So artists and titles, please, in the correct order. Uh, get on the phone, 0818104106. Artists and titles in the correct order. Two sets of tickets for Riverdance. Okay. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.